Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode six, season two, episode six, or episode almost 40 now, gentlemen. It's, uh, we're getting up there in the numbers, but hey, whatever. I'm your host with the most, with my co-hosts of the most as well. <laughs> I am Alex, otherwise known as Lexi by Mars Swan on the internet. The man in the middle is the brilliant man himself. Initialize, welcome to the show, sir. Glad to be here. Double episode this week, so excited to get some more thoughts out there. It is a bit spicy. We've got content to bring you lovely listeners out there, but we wouldn't be able to do it without the Supreme Man himself going Super Saiyan 10 or something crazy. It's Namera on the other side. Yeah, I'm Super Saiyan. Well, my hair's brown, so that doesn't really sound as you, cool you, as... You've all... completely rotated around. you fully powered up that's the one yeah yeah actually I, I, it's, background it's, 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 it's like it's like you know the, the, you know the old game asteroids where like you go off one end and you come on the other like i've basically exactly. gone so far around the power chart i've like reset back to like my red, regular appearance and uh i i'm 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 in it dude i'm here for it awesome great to hear and how far are you in it because what is this podcast this podcast is the ljl ou podcast which is where we you know, we, 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 we get together, we, we, we have a couple of thoughts, and those thoughts are particularly around League of Legends within Japan. Uh, and that includes the LJL, which is their professional league, and stuff which might affect it, which is kind of more relevant for today's episode. Very much. It is something special around this week's episode, bringing a special one. But obviously, before we get into any of that, initialize, sir. Do we have any affiliation with Riot Games or anything, or are we just a fan-done podcast or whatever? Sadly for us, it is very much the latter. This is all off our own back. There is no association with Riot whatsoever, but that does give us a little bit more freedom to do the things we'd like the way we'd like. So, hey, goes in roundabouts. I can't complain in the grand scale of things. These views are all of our own and also do not represent our broadcast, the LJLOU. We just happen to use the same name because branding people, you got to try and climb up somehow. Anyway, you can check out all of our social medias at Mars One, at Initialize with a One, and at Nymara. You can also find the LJLOU's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and uh, Discord. There we go. That's the final one where you can get in contact with all of us as well as join our lovely community in the Discord server. Links, as always, will be in the description or the show notes. And you can catch this podcast on all audio streaming platforms. Gentlemen, this is a podcast where we've got clickbait underneath our title. We've got clickbait in the thumbnail. People know what we're talking about this week. Super week. It's the most important thing of all. <laughs> no, okay. We've got two topics for this week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we're, this is our super week hype week talk uh, video. We're going to be kind of bringing up the points for super week. We're excited for it. It's honestly, outside of finals arguably the most special time of the LJL um, in the split because you get 16 games across so across one weekend. It's it's truly the most unique part. But obviously, okay, the main topic of this podcast is going to be around the import rule and it changing. We're going to be tackling the question coming from more of a minor region uh, perspective, but also just the span of each of the major regions as well. Um, we each have our pockets, we each have our thoughts and opinions, and we wanted to kind of have a conversation yeah. around the LJL. Yeah, so we're going to try and like lie out, lay out effectively, because of course we, we don't know the likelihood of what outcomes are going to be with discussions about the important no we figured we'd, So we figured we'd go down a couple of different avenues and say, if this happens, what does it mean? If this happens, what does it mean? And try and cover a wide enough um, kind of approach, I suppose, that, that you kind of get something out of this from our yeah. perspective. 
Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talks around that. I mean, it's Primal on Hotline League was talking about how obviously mm. a problem that they were having is that the it's not being a bit. It's the conversation happening isn't very nuanced, and at the same time, it's only being talked about in NA, which I guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, we are not going to be doing or spending much no. time on <laughs> NA in our conversation. By the way, we will be referencing obviously the teams and uh, the LCS, but it's going to be as a footnote. Really, it's mm -hmm. uh, not the most important thing to us, but. Gentlemen, with that being our main topic, we do have our first topic to go through, and that is Super Week, guys. We gotta there get go. hyped for Super Week. It's, it's exciting. Um, anyone that is interested and only here for our import, we don't we understand. We understand. We won't take it as disrespect. Show notes and times in the below. If you're listening to the audio version, you will be able get to just tamp right across. So okay, so don't see you worry. in a handful of seconds, but actually 30 minutes later. <laughs> and we'll probably say welcome again. <laughs> but gentlemen, Super yes. Week is almost upon us. We've been busy getting prepared, getting ready for these 16 games. All of our games should, in theory, now be out on our YouTube channel in case you want to catch up on all the action and everything else. And on Friday, we will be having a Super Week stream on Friday with all four, uh, all eight of our games of Friday's coverage being streamed live because we had to take a week off. So don't worry, mm -hmm. we're going to be doing three days bringing actually 24 games to you. Uh, eight of them are all Blaster and Pass recording. You can actually check them out on our YouTube channel whenever you wanted. But hey, uh, the stream for the background, if you've got eight hours to chill in the morning when we would normally go live, nine o'clock, remember, be there or don't be there. We won't technically be there. We might be asleep, probably. Super week, gentlemen. There are a lot of games happening, and we yes. could arguably be like, oh, I'm excited for this game, and each game is going to be very unique. Uh, obviously, we'll have our pre-show where we'll go into a bit of depth around these two teams and each time, but uh, it's not it's far too much time for us to do on the podcast. Let's actually talk about five games that we've picked out and go through them, and I think the first game that we should really begin off with is going to actually be Detonation Focus Me, facing against Rascal Jester, our number one seed facing off against our number three seed. And who wants to take this first? Oh, I saw the I saw the eyebrows oh. go. No, no, Ooh. no, initial. Cool. I saw no. Nomara's eyebrows go no, too. Go the on, eyebrows, man. Go the on, eyebrows, buddy. Go on, go on, initially. Go on, Nomara, go on. Oh, what? Okay, right. Well, so, okay. So, um, why is Super <laughs> Week really fun? Why are we going to enjoy it? Because effectively, there are only three game days left, two of which are happening back-to-back -back this weekend. Mm -hmm. It's Breakneck and... You really have to be well practiced in your stuff. I think it was last split we had a lot of opinions about, for instance, um, Sengoku, DFM, Crest Gaming Act coming into that Super Week, and there were some real big moves from these teams who we considered, you know, top of the table or, or more middle of the table, and things went, you know, either very well or very badly. Um, I look at DFM, I look at Rascal Jess, and I think this could potentially be like an upper bracket into finals matchup where things mm -hmm. have come out some way um in the super week because again we're only like one game between dfm and v3 one game between v3 and rascal jester things go badly enough for v3 and dfm in the super week suddenly rascal jester can use this as an absolute like step on the head push him down and 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 climb up the ladder a bit more moment and we know that rascal jesters are a good team they've shown their metal and dfm are not infallible. They're not infallible. So this will be a real chance to see that, much like in last year too, when we saw like can a team beat V3 in summer, can a team beat DFM in spring. This feels like exactly the same kind of moment in terms of like can Rascal Jester prove themselves to be, you know, title contenders. Yeah, and to kind of buy onto that, 
because of how the game days work, you've got two games one day, two games the next day. There is very, very, very little room for take it to, to 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 adjust. Right? You've got they've had that week off to to set yourselves up, but because you don't have a lot of time to set up, effectively your preparation time, your two weeks off, have to be very, very good. So you've got that your coaching staff has to be really on it. DFM historically have been very good at taking that break and doing something with it. They've done it coming into playoffs a number of times. True. They've done it coming into splits. True. This is a time when they tend to come alive. It certainly helped, say, last summer when they were really off the boil at the beginning of summer, weren't connecting in the ways we were expecting, were halfway down the table. It was looking really rough for them. They come into Super Week and look a lot better. Um, and so for some of these teams with established player bases, systems to improve, to read the meta, to practice, to get a lot out of your practice. That's great. Rascal Jesters are a new team. They've got a lot of veterans on there, but they've also got, like, say, Kinatu, who is very much a rookie. And this is a world where potentially either that really works for them, but if they don't quite get the right read uh, and they come in and they've got a few tough matches this week to the Rascal Jesters, uh, there's some really big, uh, big ticket matches they've got of course we mentioned one versus dfm uh who else are they playing that week they've got burning calls not so much of a bigger deal but if i remember on the sunday as well uh, they've got v3 yeah they got v3 on sunday like that's the other two top teams like i have a lot of faith in the jests i think they've done a great job that said that is v3 and dfm who are very good at preparing and practicing this could be a bit of a week where jess has really stumbled too because there's not gonna be a lot of room to adjust yeah, there's a, there's a lot of options. Let's actually zoom over to our next match. Um, that's going to be Sengoku Gaming versus V3 in the schedule. Um, and this is honestly a match where it's the second place versus fourth place. And I think fair to say, before week four happened, gentlemen, we would have just assumed V3 will just smash them. They, they yeah. should just smash them. But uh, hmm, might not be the case anymore. Nope. No. I So this is a bit of an interesting one because Sengoku Gaming have finally turned online. They had a crap start to the split, but a lot of analysts had had, had a lot of faith in this squad, had a lot of faith in this organization. And they seem to have finally kind of got it together. They got a win over DFM, offering them their first loss, which is good. Crash has had some good games. Gango and Enti looking pretty strong. Ramane seems to have found some picks in a way to play with this squad, even if it's not necessarily him being the main carry is at least not being a problem. So that's all good news. Um, but V3, I think, have also been really, really strong. At least this time, we might see another game because V3 have dropped a couple games where potentially it's at least somebody else to challenge V3 and it's not just DFM and V3 running over the league. So what I'll say about this match in particular, I think actually looking at these rosters and how they're performing right now, we could kind of actually have quite a well-balanced map in terms of the way we saw Sengoku beat DFM was crushing bot lane. I think that with NC and um, Gango both being mm. online versus Hollow and Reiner, that is going to be such a barnstorm of 2v2. Now, you look, then you look at like, well, okay, you've got like Ace and Ramane in that mid lane, maybe less about the initial playmaking themselves, I think that you look at Crash and Mujin, both on form, actually going to do a lot of similar things too in terms of their aggressive play. I think the one thing where it might get a bit unbalanced is where we've got Paz versus Cogcog in the top lane, because Cogcog has genuinely been maybe the best top player in the LGL this split so far. He's definitely been one to watch either way. I look at this and I think, actually, this is a real good button your heads. This is, this is very much people coming in on the right form at the right time to make this a really good match. I think this is easily 
outside of maybe DFM Rascal Jester, this might also be play of the like game yeah. of the day. Like this mm. is this is up there yeah. with Rascal Jester. Like and for me, to have them both what... in the same day. Exactly right, and and it opposite ends of the day as well. So you've got the morning stuff happening there, and then you've got still stuff happening in the evening. You don't you don't kind of miss out completely on this system. Like it it's definitely setting itself up to be an exciting day. Um. I mean, I'm very much interested also to see is this the return of Ramane? Um, it's going to come in a lot later, far later actually in question time when I get to really talk about this man for a point. But uh, Ramane is starting to maybe come back into the LJL, like actually showing some of the flair that he was once the, the king of, really, in the mid lane. Mm. Uh, but Ace is quietly just going, hey, I don't actually have to play the typical mid laner role that has historically been successful in the LJL. Uh, I can do my own thing. I can kind of take a book out of Cyrus's play and go, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and I'm going to just do it really well, and if my team plays around it, we win. And they got to Worlds doing that, and they look, and he looks even better than when he went to Worlds. Look, if you give Ace playmaking tools and team fights, he tends to be an excellent player. Just don't have him farm. Yeah, I mean, even then, I don't think his stats have actually been that bad this split, interestingly. <laughs> but but, I, but I, I have been doing a little bit of backroom stuff, and I do think this will be a bit of a trial by fire, particularly for Hollow, actually, because Gango and Enti have been incredibly lane dominant. Gango has the highest CS difference at 15. He has the highest XP difference at 15. Hollow is only just ahead of Yuhi at the bottom of the table in both of those stats. He has had very poor CSD and XP differences at 15. Um, well, that's partly so, because obviously Reiner leaves the lane, and it's uh, so, he's he's kind of left in two v one a lot of the time, so he can't oh, oh, armor. Absolutely, right. But, uh, my, my point being that stylistic difference, and it's a rookie coming in, and yes, he's doing great things in mid game team fights <clears> and staying alive and getting some and getting some good kill kill involvement and stuff, and that's been great for V three. <laughs> and obviously, he's passed the eye test. There has been some points in lane where potentially he has been punishable particularly by the guys of Gango and Enti, who index so mm. hard into winning lane. So, so, yeah. I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think that, that bot lane is going to be really huge. Because I, I think that, well, you know, you, you might say that about Hollow Sam, but I also think that he's probably the most gold-efficient bot laner in the league, if you say that. You think, actually, Hollow's not really getting resources from the laning phase. What he manages to achieve after that point has meant that, mm. uh, actually, he's pulling his weight um, proportionally more than the other bot laners uh, of that yeah, same sure. caliber, right? And that also allows... Um, players like Cogcog to get ahead because Mujin's actually been up there more often than not. Um, and as we've said, Cogcog has looked very, very good. Uh, the question is, can you afford, well, much like last year when we saw like, you know, Gango and NC on CGA do, you know, cr no, so it's not uh, Gango and Grendel on CGA mm. do crazy things mm. when they were ahead in lane. Can you afford to leave this bot lane alone on an island or do you need to, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm expecting Callista bans, put it that way. I, th I think that Gango mm. can't be allowed to have that champion. But can you afford to leave the spot on an island? Because I think that's where this game falls apart for V3 and uh, succeeds for Sengoku. Potentially. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I, I I'd like to just move yeah, on to the next on. game, Sam, if that's okay, because we're sure. still going to be talking about V3 for this one, and I actually think for point uh, point of purpose is V3 facing off against Rascal Jester. Uh, it is a day two game. Um, the only two games from that we're actually going to be bringing up, but that's because, ladies and gentlemen, some of these lower pack of the teams, we need to also mention, they have got important matches happening there, and we want to cover each of those aspects. V3 facing off against the Jesters, gentlemen. Uh, this is going to be a part of the series where, well, a part of the week where we get to go, okay, what is the direction? What is the future, really, that we're expecting that these teams to go? This is third and second place. This is probably also going to be deciding who gets the upper bracket spot unless catastrophic things happen in week seven or 
obviously picking up a loss at the end of the day and then losing another two games outside of crazy situations like that happening, which we don't expect. Um, Happened to CJ last this would, player. This could define it. CGA and no, I mean, the yeah, last okay, week yeah. went zero two, and, and uh, that's the thing. Sometimes, you, sometimes <laughs> you flip the coin and it comes up with a pile of poop on it. Yeah. <laughs> As I said, preparation, man. You can be coming in super hot, and if people spend that time figuring you out, and you just get wrong-footed, because I think there's yeah. a patch change that will have come through through this as well. Like, this could be <clears throat> big stuff. Well, and I think um, with this match, remember, I remember when we had the first matchup of it, I thought, well, how do you describe Rascal Jester and V3's playstyle? I described V3 as Rascal Jester plus, <laughs> and uh, then Rascal Jester beat them in that matchup, and I'm like, well, maybe... Maybe actually V3 is uh, maybe not the big brother in this matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'll I... say. Sorry, Lexi, go on. No, no, go for it, go for it, go for it. I, 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 I remember I'm, what I said. I'll, I'll be interested to see how the top 2v2 goes because CogCog has been putting up some monster numbers. Like, he has been such a hard carry for V3 in a way that none of us expected. But, like, the guys champion pool his dpm his gold difference like all of his stats looked phenomenal and he's looked very good in game two on a lot of different champions and kinato on the other hand has been a really pleasant surprise in the top lane as far as a rookie goes like his flanks have been really on it he's played strong side when hatchimich has come up there at the the kane atrox game probably most prominent in our minds for that one where the two of them really put app men under the bus but he's also played weak side okay especially after a rough couple games he's kind of learned to play that okay but he has got a couple of very tough matchups this week. Cog Cog in this one. Ebby will be in the DFM match as well. And I will be interested, especially because V3 have often indexed into playing more towards their top side than towards their bottom side, at least early on into the game. Um, how the Jesters plan to deal with it? Will they just leave Kanati weak side and focus bot because they've you know, got the talent down there to at least compete? Or do they try and shield Kanati a bit because Mujin and Cog Cog are a pretty scary top 2v2. Well, he survived it last time. Yeah, he did. Let's be real. Uh, this is for Rascal Justice. This is the first wow. time they're actually going to be challenged in the bot lane. Like, I'm sorry, every other support hasn't really matched up to the expectations. We don't have Gang currently in the LJL. Proud has been honestly an Elo hell with mm-hmm. Ray Farkey at the moment. So bless him. Corporal hasn't been able to set up because Zenit isn't really there, and the Hawks are just in a weird place. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think NT is kind of fine. And we already know my thoughts on Alchemy and Axis's bot lane. Obviously, is a rookie bot lane with Honey trying to pull all the time. I actually think this will be trial by fire for Soul and Secret. I'm really interested to see what happens when they have a support player who will push back. Reiner is the best support player in my eyes in the LGL at the moment, and I don't think that's real. There's there's much contestion for that at the moment. Um, Kazu is just kind of floating on being on the best team. He's not bad, but if you slotted him into the other teams, his problems would start to become far more noticeable. Mm. Uh, Utapon is the best AD carry also, by the way, in my opinion, because yeah. that man's basically playing 2v1. Like, 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 it's kind of unreal. I've made this meme before, but I, I, I'm. That's where I'm actually more interested. I actually think the bot lane is going to be so interesting because Soul and Secret will get pushed back. We've seen other bot lanes give them a issues, but normally that's been from junglers. This is not going to be a two v two where there's like, hmm, who's actually the better two v two? And I think your points about Hollow earlier initialize might become true. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, like, and again, I still have some nerves for Kinatu because, I mean, last time, if you remember, it was Cog Cog put Kinatu in a dumpster. And he came back in the team fights, but it was on the NAR for Cog Cog and he never really got it rolling um, past that laning phase. And like, 
considering where the draft ended up, Rascal Jester played that Skarna Thresh super, super well. I want to see where the Rascal Jesters have another draft up their sleeve like they did the last time, or whether V3 can sort of try the same game plan but be a little bit more prepared for the the, the curveballs the Jesters like to throw in. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. Bless you. You, uh, you, you must have missed part of, part of what I said because I was talking Sorry, about the bot lane did. of the jesters. Sorry, uh, yes, I was. I, I had yes, Kanatu, I had a stat, I like I had a stat block. I had, I had a stat block up um, that I was like trying to it's figure out right. that was going it's on. It's all right. I just was going to be so like, sorry, dude. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay, uh, let's move over uh, to our next two teams. Um, completely different teams we haven't actually mentioned at all here. This is going to be Axis facing off against the Hawks. Now, ladies and gentlemen out there might be like, why, why are you picking this match? This isn't one of the big matches. Actually, for these teams, this is an important match to win both sides. For the Hawks, they're currently at the bottom, tied for seventh at the moment, not looking so good. Though, maybe there's some options for them moving forward. But this is their big match because for Axis, they lost against Burning Core. That mm -hmm. is not a good place. That was an expected win, not only from the three of us, but also pretty much everyone. They weren't expecting Burning Core to turn up. Burning Core turned up. We'll talk about Burning Core in our next match. Axis look very hot and cold, gentlemen. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is the squad with the most rookies. Inno, Megamint, Nemo, all rookies, and that's rookies in you know every position, like like a spread across the map, right? Yeah. And we've seen really good things from kind of a number of them. Inno's had some good team fightings. I remember his Gragas game that kind of slapped Appermen around. Well, not not in lane, but came down and was just quicker to the team fights. Megamint had that Silas game that we all rave rave on about. Yes. Uh, uh, but we've also seen that other side of the coin where. When things start going badly for these rookies, it's, it's a rookie phenomenon where you don't necessarily know how to staunch the bleeding as well in a competitive game. Where It just uh, goes downhill immediately. Yeah, exactly. If you die right? a couple of times, it snowballs out of there. And we've seen it from Nemo in particular. There was a, that Nautilus game where I think he went 0, 8, and 6. Oh, that was a draft like thing that. too. Like, I, don't wanna, sure. I, I know it's relevant, but also remember that was like trying to kill a center Azir through a Scion. Like, uh, what, what, uh, yeah, what do you do? Uh, there's a certain point where it's, it's not feasible to have a good KGA in that game. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. But the, but even then, there there is a thing where, like, actually, if your draft makes things difficult and you're having a difficult game, it compounds even harder when you're a rookie because, like, that's still a lot of deaths and not a lot of gain out of it, even if it's tough. Um, and, and, like, yes, it's hard. Like, but, that, that, but, like, but Sam, like, Sam, Sam, there's, there's the comparison between we've got rookies here for Axis, right? Mm-hmm. The Hawks have got vets. Oh, like, yeah. These are veterans, right? And, like, the vets haven't turned up. So, clearly, okay. it's still working for the rookies, even in, when they are losing. Right. And, and, and I think that's, for me, that's the other side of Axis, right? Was when they do pop off, these rookies are really happy to run with things. Plus, they've got Honey, who has been putting up ridiculous numbers. Bro, Honey's been so good. So good. Mm. And Hoglet, as well, has had some... Hashtag not biased. Yeah, yeah. And, and Hoglet's actually been doing a really good job of things like vision control, actually. Interesting, when I've been looking over... Except for last week. Yeah, except for last week, but he said he's done a really good job of like getting control over spaces. Whereas my problem with the Hawks has actually been like Dasher and Zenit have got really good leads out of lane, and then not managed to take those leads and convert them in team fights like consistently at all. Um, like, which has been kind of the other option where I think Honey has been a really dangerous point of pressure. However, the game is going, which I can't say about the Hawks carries right now. I mean, Nymera, what's your thoughts about the Hawks? Um, I think that a lot of it, I know that we, we've kind of ended up defending Tussle at some points. I think it's so hard to play around a failing jungle support combo right now. 
because even though AD carries have so much um, weight of carrying put on them, they do need a, a a structure to play around. And Corporal has struggled in lane and struggled in team fights too. And I think a lot of, and that's not all individual play, right? Though, because particularly at the pro level, I, I look at I look at when is pro struggling that we know has been good. Corporal was arguably our third or fourth best support last year, um, as an entirety. And to see that he's not bringing out the same performances, even though he's trying to go back to the same picks, like, to me, that's more of a communication slash systematic thing, what's actually happening. Um, I look at Tussle, and he is not really making the plays that his team needs to stabilize, like, mid-games particularly. Their early games have been all right. Their laning phases have been, been decent. Yeah. It just feels like you get to a certain point, and Tussle and Corporal are disconnected on what they're looking for, and that means that everyone is trying to do their own thing kind of at the most awkward of times and that's not really worked out for them yeah. so our last match because let's just zoom through these because i want to get onto um our expectations for some of these matches i want to get our hot takes and everything give people then predictions if they're part of our <laughs> discord so they can uh get the hot tech on the direction that we're thinking going and they can give their counterpoints gentlemen burning core facing off against crest gaming act these are the final two teams we haven't talked about yet but uh we definitely need to mention burning core obviously uh shot at redemption they finally got a win over axis and it was a convincing win in all credit to them, Axis might have ran it down, but they still did the work. They've gone to the rift. They played it out as expected, really. So, well done. You did what you were meant to do. <laughs> um, I'll give you a, a, a kosher uh, golf clap, and then that's all I'll give you. Um, but for CGA, like, a one clap, not even a golf clap. Oh, dear. Not yeah. worth it? No? All right. No, not really. <laughs> Russia um, didn't no. clap. Right. <laughs> Um, uh, Crest Gaming Act, obviously, they look just like Axis last week, wasn't good. They look slightly better than the CGA, who had the same opponents, but not much better than what they had last time around. Obviously, last week, we saw Crest Gaming Act facing off the exact same opponents that the Hawks did. But uh, the Hawks mm. looked slightly worse, and Crest Gaming Act looked slightly better. But we're pulling literal hairs here, gentlemen. Crest... Gaming Act facing off against Burning Core. Um, I almost expect this to be a bit of a bang or a whimper of a game. Two most inconsistent teams in the LJL. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I look at both these teams as like, I mean, I, I look at CGA's schedule and they've got, let's have a look, see, they've got what they've got. Actually, you know what? I do actually, do you want me to bring up the schedule? I can bring that up on screen. I probably should. Sure, bring it up. Bring it sure. up. I, you know what? I really should have done this. This Hello, is something I could you're have now done below me. Hello. Hello. Uh, what's up? How's it going? Upstairs neighbors. See my it's... real life upstairs neighbors. Like right, they they have like DJ sets until like two a.m. in the morning, and it means I'm very low sleep a lot of the time. Anyway, right. Oh. I look at I look at CJ and they've got what Hawks V three D FMC uh, um, and then then uh, Burning Core. Um, I look at this and I'm like, there's a chance they go like they they're the kind of team I wouldn't put it past them to somehow to a V three D FM and then lose to like Hawks Burning Core. <laughs> That's kind of the feeling I get. Anyway, I don't expect... That's a low chance. But I look at, like, Burning Core CJ, and both of these teams are so all over the place. I actually think this comes down to the top lane matchup. I know, Sam, you've got some really cool stats about, like, NAP in particular. And then, of course, we all love Ray Farky on this podcast, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, basically, I was looking over NAP, and the, basically, Cassin has played top side nearly, you know, like, permanently. He's been with Nation and um, Nap the entire, every game they've played, basically. And 
that's been for better or for worse. We've seen what Kassin's done with the lead. We've also seen when he tries to intend a tower and go down on Jin Zhao and the likes. Like, this guy doesn't really have a brake pedal. And it's been an interesting one to watch. And sometimes it's been good. Um, and he's paired up pretty well <laughs> with Nap alongside Nathan. And Nap has really good stats in terms of his... He's got uh, highest CSD. I let me pull that across, make sure I've got that correct. He's got highest... Um, Highest C he's got one of the highest CS different goal differences at top line. He's, he's the highest he's six hundred and thirty-six goal difference at fifteen. He's got a the highest CSD at fifteen of eleven. Like there's good stats here for Nap, even if he's not necessarily on carries all that often. He's often on things like the Gragas or or he's the Renekton, a couple of Camille games. But... Yeah, he's had, I think he's had he's had two Camille games, one win, one loss, I think is my my memory mm. of it. Um So he's been like they've definitely been playing into the CC and getting uh Getting things going in in that game. The problem is that then Nap has basically been a uh, big tanky frontline and initiator rather than necessarily like a team fight carry, which is all well and good. Um, and there's good things. His Renekton is really good in team His Renekton is really good. And exactly. Stone and even things like when they've won the Gragas going in for the flash engages, but it's not necessarily like um, his, for example, his DPM stats are actually very low and his damage percentage is one of the lowest in top lane. Um, so like he's been not that I don't think he's been doing well it's just necessarily been from a I am going to carry you damage wise I'm going to carry you from initiation and frustrating the backline which is a very important thing to be doing as well but it's not quite the same and then obviously that is also after you've invested quite a lot in the top lane so there does come some questions about well what is that leaving you without that has often been alchemy and Milan on the other side struggling quite a lot partly because sometimes there's been some problems in lane off themselves but partly because they don't get any jungle attention like at all really no they don't and like they they do kind of just find themselves in a weird spot i mean like burning core on the opposite side though um sometimes they just look like we get moments where we almost see summer burning core right like it does feel like we get those moments it's just what what is the problem with burning core guys like that's the bigger issue for me you got something on the side ah <laughs> uh, man I, I mean I'm I just think... playing an idea oh, like a like, point I... right like we expected yeah. high things coming into this team and uh, they've just been completely off of it they're, we might never know honestly I, it's yeah. just something uh, it's just an observation really I, I think there has been some issues with um, Gariaru not being as much of an upgrade as they would be hoping um, like he's been Okay. He's had some he's had some okay stats, but like he's definitely not had a lot of lane pressure and like things like his his mm. damage numbers haven't been what they're looking for either. In fact, he's got the lowest damage numbers of any mid laner in the league. Like, yeah, he, that's like he's three hundred and seventy one DPM as a mid laner. Uh, next that's lowest is Mega Mean at four hundred. Um, and they compare that to Nation <laughs> way at the top at five hundred thirty seven. You know, funnily like, enough, you mentioned Mega Min. I think actually both of these mid laners should be put on Azir duty a lot more because I think their teams are mm. struggling to play through stuff oh, like Oriana a lot of the time. It's so bad. I, Don't I, th make I think him I think do you it. say that, and then you have a couple of games where you actually get to Shurima shuffle the enemy mid laner and be like, yeah, okay, cool, have fun. Um, but like, I think some of these teams are like struggling to play around Oriana, and Victor mm -hmm. is not quite as. OP as they were yeah. in the spring last last split when yeah. the team yeah, need the Syndra either so like, yeah yeah uh, uh, but I will also say that Burning Core in general have just had very low DPM numbers like even so Gary has got pretty middling damage share numbers for example and I think that's part of the problem is that Burning Core have tried things in the early game and when they've gone wrong their team has collapsed and not really found much 
response to plays and like as a result they're often like bleeding out really fast so i i I, the one that comes to my most prominently is that game versus dfm where ebby gets a solo kill once goes to try and turn it around ebby gets out (laughs) steel catches him going to his krugs on the retreat because he takes so long to get out he dies again then once goes i go for the raptor invade because gary is finally shoved up and i might be able to get something um gets punished on the raptor invade aria gets another kill and it's like that's oops max of bad team communication because partly you know bad play and then some bad luck but then the compounding of issues and then the fact from there there's just no proactivity once things have gone wrong is not a good look um i just don't we're expecting cga to just smash burning core right if that's all the case we're expecting them to just smash them right Maybe. Like, from I, what you just said, yeah, indicates I mean, like, like CGA, it, yeah, even if I, they're I, playing exactly. badly, should still smash them. Potentially. I, I think the thing with CGA is that, like, Nathan has been actually pretty, has had great stats however the games have gone. Like, he's, he's been playing well. And that's always a good summary. I, I can't say that for Burning Core, is that if games have gone well, who's actually played well? And you start... Ray Farkey. Searching. Yeah, even then, he's... You're like, yeah, I mean, he's played okay. Yeah, I think that's probably it, isn't it? Proud's um, all right. I think Ray Farkey's done all right. And like, because I, I look at both these teams in this matchup, and I think, okay, yeah, bot lanes are actually both been struggling. Maybe they both kind of see it as a free win versus each other. Um, and we've seen that Milan actually um, <laughs> does pretty good if he gets to the team fighting stage. His Zai has been very, very good at different points. If he actually manages to get out of lane, he's had like zero two, zero four starts, stuff like that, and he's managed to come back into games on stuff like Zaya. Um, on the other side, you know, uh, Yuhi, if he ends up getting something like Senna, like and he's safe in the back line. He's he's amp- he's he's good at playing that role too. So I mean, I look at both these bot lanes where often they've kind of fallen apart as a team, and maybe that's that's actually kind of what's going to even up the 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 playing field for for both these teams. And they'll both think actually, oh, we can play around that. Yeah, they definitely will. But gentlemen, we are coming to the end of our super week talk. These are the games that we're expecting. Obviously, though, gentlemen, I now am going to come over to you both and ask. Who are you picking to win this match? First things first, Detonation focused me facing off against Rascal Jester. Who's winning initialize first? DFM. Okay. Nightmare? <sighs> it's got to be DFM. I mean, it's three for three on the desk, right? But we're all a little hesitant. Sure, but if you think about this, like, I would, I would say it's 65-35. I can't even go to like 70 30 and be like, yeah, it's so- solid DFM win. I'm like, there's a chance that they get rolled in the early game and actually Rascal Jester's look better in the mid and late game than they've done in the early weeks mm-hmm. when actually DFM did manage to snag a win over Rascal Jester. Um, yeah. I, mm-hmm. So, like, I think all, all of us put together probably around that. I, I'd imagine we're all like between that 60 to 70% DFM yeah. win mark. I don't think we're going to go lower than 60%, I'd imagine. I don't think it's close like, enough for 55 No, 45. I expect them to no. win, right? Yeah. Like, in yeah. theory. Ah. And that's our alarm. We're out of time. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of us put together means, like, yeah, like, we think it's DFM favorite, but not like landslide. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably am erring more towards that 70% mark mm. but i will also say that um this isn't necessarily us saying oh no dfm or bad what it is, is actually we're thinking oh no rascal jesters are actually pretty good um because they're... yeah it's far more rascal jester good D- than dfm bad yeah, yeah exactly and, and, and i think well, there are worries shown... there too right but oh yeah 
But like for me as well, I think it's just the Jesters have pulled out some really fun stuff in draft, which could catch any team off guard and then show them they can play with it. Like, who expects well, a Kane last yeah. pick? Uh, I mean, let's just go on the opposite. DFM have been drafting like absolute, like they just don't care, <laughs> yeah. like they're in solo queue. So, I mean, it, we're getting both sides of the coin. Gentlemen, I'm going to flick us over to our next game because we want to get over onto our main other topic of gaming versus V3E Sports. And for me, gentlemen, I'm going pretty confidently V3. Oh. One week from Sengoku having a good week isn't enough for me to change and we all know my thoughts if you mm. listen to our previous episode of the podcast episode five um I basically the only reason Sengoku beat DFM is just due to the incompetence of DFM drafting or ignorance I, or arrogance or so, so yeah. many other things I, th I mean I I think I am going to lean into v3 too I think they have been the most solid drafters in in the LGL so far and I think that Sengoku won against DFM because they had a way to just crush through bot lane and Gango is very competent at playing that kind mm -hmm. of style. You can only do that with a handful of picks. Well, actually, right now, it's basically just the Callista. Maybe if Poke Virus was the thing, you can start doing that, or Caitlyn. But, like, there aren't an ample amount of picks okay. you can do that with. So I'm like, yeah, I think that V3 will have identified that. I think that they are competent. They're, 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 they're the most competent early game team that we have in the LJL. I think Sengoku need that early platform and they won't have that versus V3. So I think this is actually stylistically kind of an unfortunate matchup for, for Sengoku because they're up against a good bot lane with not enough picks to really play the style that they beat DFM with. And also the rest of the map is going to be stable enough. So I think it is quite confident V3 for me. Now watch initialize counter, uh, counter you completely. Yeah. Um, so I actually think I still favor V3, um, but I think it'll be a slightly different because I think V3 play through topside. Uh, I think Mujin and Cog Cog will have an edge over Paz. Uh, who's been okay this split, but not no, not like a complete standout. And then on the other side, mm -hmm. I actually expect Gango and Enti to continue to put Hollow down in lane because V3 play strong topside and leave their bot side to weak, lay, weak side. But Hollow has still generally dropped a lot of XP and CS in lane, and Gango Gen and Enti have got ridiculous lane stats. So I'm, it'll be, I still think V3 will win because I think their mid-game plays have been stronger. Uh, even it, But even <laughs> so, I'll be interested to see how that stylistic mismatch between Gango and Enti being very strong side lane versus Mujin and Cog Cog really playing to lane topside, often anyway, depending on how things draft. It's not like we haven't seen things like Cog Cog on Ivern and the likes, but um, I suspect it will play that way around. Let's not talk too much about V3 versus Rascal Jester, as that is going to be our match of the week for day number two. So uh, we'll probably go a bit more in desk uh, on our thoughts truly on that one. We'll probably give you a full five to ten minutes of our thoughts on that, ladies and gentlemen. So don't go anywhere. You'll need to catch that content. But for now, gentlemen, I want your hot takes. V3, who wins Nymera? You first, sir. You can't, you can't keep pulling a face. you got to give me an answer now. I'm actually going to give it to Rascal Jester. I think okay. that they no, are... don't do they're, that. They're too unstudied. I think that V3 are great at prepping. I think that Rascal Jester are just like... I think they might have a few picks or strategies to slip through the net. And I reckon they, they might come out with a win. Okay. Oh. Initialize. What's would be See, the most interesting I was going to go for the upset with Jester's there. And I was wondering, one of these is going to be an upset... Oh, oh, both of you man. go Rascal and then I'll go uh, the correct guy and go V3. Okay, yeah, go that I'll way. Right yeah, I, I, I'll give it to Rascal Jester because I've been really enjoying their clever draft. Yeah. That and, and said, I can see how oh. V3 play topside 
with a better champion picks to punish better this time and it all goes wrong for jesters yeah i love my rookie in the top plane i love kinati we all know i'm all about the scouting guns guys first and foremost but i'm also about getting a correct prediction and v3 mm. are going to slap rascal jesters i'm sorry um ace is also going to be playing a completely different style that recap is not used to because he's used to every other mid laner playing a very standard mid lane and ace is going to be like hey man i'm just going to farm this lane and fuck off you, you you're good with that right and he's but just like i'm what, every chance where are you plays roaming Zoe what is and, going like, on catch and plays kane and again off he as well kept... he couldn't pop off on zoe like ace well this is the thing but then like if you play if you play like zoe it's like aatrox um aatrox kane or something like that and like you actually get closed down it's a really nasty situation I, that's what i'm like i trust ace at the moment i i yeah, don't agree with well. you i, I, I well. the blasphemy to our former world chat been, like players yeah he has been playing well yeah i, I mean I'll, i i will say Reiner that, is on this, this team and you yeah, guys are like nah yeah, jesters yeah yeah, I know exactly. It's, 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 yeah, exactly. The point, yeah. Like the like the thing is, there is absolutely a world where they do what they did to Kinatu in lane, and it just they can't recover from it again. Because last time Kinatu lost first, so it was down thirty eight CS at fifteen minutes. Had like was like completely out of the game, and he did a fantastic job of coming back in. Right, it. I thought we said we were going to spend too much time on this game. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I mean, I'm just I'm just the blasphemy from you both. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. This is this is my upset. And then this you're is my like, upset. nah. Hot take. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to getting it right over both of you and getting more points yeah, over your predictions. <laughs> but, uh, I might be the leader by over six points now. That's two oh, games, lads. Gosh. You've got some catch yeah, up now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Axis facing the Hawks. Um, I, I guess it's my turn to go first, and I have no idea where to go with this. I'm going to go with Megumin. I've got to go with the scouting grounds, but uh, I can also see the Hawks just uh, becoming a phoenix and well and truly slapping Axis down and it just looking a little bit who wants to go next? You neither of you know who you're picking. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I think it's gonna be Axis. Oh, no, I think, you I, I think it is gonna be okay. Axis. I, I think that. Um, wait, actually, what what time in the schedule is it happening? Is the it's the very last match. I think that will give it, Axis it enough time to pick up. You know, get their mojo back between the four games. Um, and I think that they will be building more momentum than the Hawks will be with that. That cut. Well, mm -hmm. what's the strength of schedule? V three, dear. Um, uh, burning Core, all right, yeah, and the Hawks have got Rasmus. I heard that, I heard that little Yeah, I picked this match specifically because of it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that Axis might learn something from the strength of schedule, just be like, oh gosh, we got slapped. I just hope they don't get too demoralized bit. I don't, yeah, I think it's going to be Axis, but I, I do want the Hawks to do well, because be like, I predicted they'd do well at the start of the split, and they really haven't. They have some pieces, which are really fun. I, I think it's going to be Axis. In theory, beat okay. Burning Core. If they beat mm. Burning Core, I think they have a chance, right? So, I think from currently what we've seen, I have to give it to Axis. I think Honey has been much more reliable in the mid and late games as a carry than Dasher and Zenit have. Both Dasher and Zenit have struggled to find deep damage and positioning in team fights. Hawks have also got horrific vision score numbers. Tussle and Corporal, bad numbers, really bad numbers. They're down at first, like last or second. Just go and watch the right. V3 game to just yeah. see how bad they are yeah. at warding uh, at the like, moment. Like. Yeah, like it's not good. Like for all the wards that Tussle is placing, like he's top third, the vision score and the vision control numbers are literally dead last. It's very similar for Corporal. I think he's a step above Nemo, who's a rookie support. That's it. Um, that said, um, I like that problem is that Hoglet has been taking up the slack that Nemo has been leaving and controlling vision really well. So a mixture between I think Honey's more reliable and I really worry about Hawk's vision control around dragons and stuff. Leads me to say Axis. That said, 
Hawks are a lot of no, 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 no. I might take it there. No, 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 no. Burning Hawks, Press Gaming Act. That's the match. No, no, no. You're not getting to defend the Hawks. There. I'm not allowing it. You said Axis. That's where I'm leaving yeah. it. Even though people probably heard it, regardless. Um, Burning Court. So Chris giving out. I'm, I'm going on it, Sam. You don't get to do it. <laughs> um, our final game, also of all of Super Week, gentlemen. Mm, fair last one. And I don't actually want us to go deep at all into this match because we will have seen so many matches throughout this super week this will be a completely different place than where we are now talking about Mm. it so i just want to know who's winning i think it's cga yeah okay i think i think cga gain gain more by by having a more even bot lane and not losing a laning foe so hard than Mm -hmm. burnabody i I think that milan's been a better team fight than he has so I, I think that's that might be the break point. We're Do burning. Yeah, we're burning core are strong, so are CGA. Where CGA mm-hmm. are weak, so are burning core. Problem is, I actually think there's a big mismatch between mismatch between Nation and Gadiari right now, uh, and that's the break point because bot lanes are met, top laners are good, jungles have their moments, but can also int. And I just think the big difference is Nahum versus Gadiari, and I think Nahum crushes it. All right, with that, gentlemen, that's three for Crest Gaming Act. We do all think the same way, but that doesn't mean necessarily... Well, actually, we do, except for Rascal Jester Burning Core, where you guys... Uh, Rascal Jester V3, where you're just like, nah, nah, that's, I just... That's I think the, the second seed's going <laughs> to lose. I'm like, yeah. Sure. Um, I think there are other games which will be upsets that I haven't actually highlighted. But uh, we'll, we'll probably talk about all of that on the broadcast. That's why people have to come in and tune in to us so they know what our thoughts are on each and every matchup. Obviously, you can catch everything on Twitter and our Twitch channel, which we will be covering live, doing the last four games, then the first four, um, and then we'll be doing the exact same, running it back on Sunday. Expect Mm -hmm. to see a few guest casters, as well as maybe a few people in the back end assisting us with bringing a beautiful product to you all. Gentlemen, cut. All right, so now I know whereabouts we are in the timing stamp. Let's go in. So hello everybody, welcome for our conversation around the import rule and the changes that we believe as uh, pseudo-experts, and I'm doing the air quotations around that so people can quote me out of context completely for it. Um, let's talk the import rule changing. Now this conversation obviously was brought up due to Travis Gafford. Thank you, Travis, for bringing this to the community's attention at mm-hmm. least uh, as a journalist. I, we appreciate that, especially as one of the three of us is a journalist. So, uh, thumbs up to you. Thumbs up to you. Um, obviously, uncovering the fact that owners in the LCS are talking around trying to pressure Riot into doing a rule change. Uh, more information has been coming out over the last few days and weeks. Um, and an interesting communicate or topic for at least us to talk about is, uh, well, we don't necessarily care too much around the conversation around na if it happens we're far more interested in what it means to the wider world at least not on this podcast (laughs) at least not on this podcast yes um we're far more interested in the wider world and obviously specifically minor regions and what could happen to the ljl now i get to say my very quick hot take uh kind of in essence of travis and hotline league um and mark as well obviously um the LJL will no longer exist in two years if the import rule happens. That's my take. This is my take. I must 
make that clear. This is Mars Swan, Alexander Swan, my take on if the import rule was to change with how things have been happening. We're going to go into multiple different ideas and aspects of this gentleman, but uh, let's talk at least um, what it could be, because obviously we've got some interesting memories of LMQ coming into the LCS, obviously. Um, way, way back in the day, there was like um, CLG, both EU and NA's rosters, mm. and I think Curse as well played over in the OGN Masters. Like, those Champions, were good yeah. times, guys. Yeah, there were some really fun memories because it was like that was a point where we didn't, we were really screaming for more international competitions and trying to see these teams, which Worlds was not as kind of well regulated and set up as it as it, as it is right now. We didn't have MSI. There was IEM mm. Katowice, and we had had um, the IEM Global Circuit, which is pretty fun. But we were really clamoring for more more international tournaments and and the ability to see like. It's like LMQ come over to NA and then like obviously a couple of Western teams going up to Champions 2 was really fun. I just don't think we'll ever have that again just because the amount of money that has been put into the scene since that point. This is the most lucrative, the most um, high revenue esport in the world um, mm -hmm. across everything if you include all of its different components. And that means that you're going to have a lot of orgs which are suddenly going to be angling for ooh what can we do with this roster? Well, you know, a lot of orgs um, trying to go into different regions and like, you know, bring in a group of five players which are complete imports and see what they can do with that. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Like, if we could, like, it would be great. But I, I agree. I don't think we're going to be able to ever go back to an era of that. That was also League in its infancy, right, guys? Mm. So, like, it was well, a very well, different time and game and player season numbers. Two, season three, yeah. Well, plus, it, I mean, remember that the LCS... EU and NA at the time didn't come through till what season three, season four, three, so yeah, yeah and Probably, like, yeah. And, and and that was interesting in of itself because of course that system was so apart from things like CS:GO, particularly uh, StarCraft, before <clears> they brought in their own import rules for various reasons, which may prove a little bit of a warning lesson as well. Um, and I, I the. If you want to change up the system significantly, you do risk undermining all the work you've done to build the system you already have. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, that that was one of my major concerns, actually, is like, actually, do you just undercut the whole point of having your regional leagues in the first place? Well, that that's exactly what we're going to end up talking about, because like, I mean, so I mean, I know Lexi said, like, in terms of his thoughts on the LGL and what happens if certain changes come through. Well, I mean, like, how many how many different things do we think might happen? So there's one, two, th three, four, like four or five different outcomes. Some of which can like branch off from a different point, right? Um, mm -hmm. And effectively, there are a couple of them which lead to the LGL being non-existent or in a in a in a much more diminished state. And I mean, obviously, we have to sit here and and deliver you a message about this and kind of think. Okay, we think this might happen. What would we actually think, though? So, for instance, if you ask me, what do you, what would I think if the LDL was removed or diminished or all this other stuff? Would I care? Is it something that you should care about? Well, yeah. We just spent, like, what, 45, 50 minutes talking about how Super Week is really fun. And there's a lot of things to look out for. Just because, you know, a region hasn't had, you know, the, the major international results of something like Albus Knox Luna or uh, a number of other wildcard teams coming in, like Taipei Assassins or a number of other ones doesn't mean there isn't value in having regional leagues and having regional storylines. I think that would be very misguided to undercut a lot of these regional leagues and, and take away um, a reason for a lot of servers to start growing and, and start supporting their own leagues.
Yeah, I mean, we've only ever really seen one region be able to go from the minor region to major region kind of slot. Obviously, PCS and LMS is kind of a, a different thing. That's Weird, kind of an yeah. evolution of grandfather old systems. Um, VCS has Honestly. started as a minor region. They now mm. have a main world slot. Like they, they are now becoming a major region. Part of that is due to player numbers on their server. It's just second mm, largest competitive server, I think. Yeah, right. Like massive. only China beats them, which is. Uh, yeah, only the, the, is it the Ionia server or the Damasia server? Well, one of the big I, ones. Yeah, I don't know mm. which one, but it, it's one of those, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, and the, and the and the and the league definitely has competitive pedigree. We know yeah. that that a lot of those teams are very high up there. They will grind it out. The players are sometimes quietly the best in their role and then hey it takes them a few years break international fame and then well we Lenny. saw our first vietnamese player in the world's finals and that's only that's in my eyes a sign of of things to come yeah no i think i think it's unreal like i think that's only the beginning of mm -hmm. vietnamese players really yeah, big time. but gentlemen Let's go on to what we think some of the several outcomes are, as I imagine we'll probably start fleshing out more topics and conversation points as we go through. Um, what happens if nothing changes outside of only the LCS? So these changes that are being talked about around the import rule, getting it unlocked, I guess would be, or removed. Um, what happens if it only happens in the LCS? And do we think that will really affect the LJL? Obviously, sure, some one or two of our top players might be poached or maybe move to Academy, for instance, in that kind of idea that we, it expands to truly only LCS. What do we think? I don't think it will be a big issue for minor regions. I'll be honest. Mm, I, I think it potentially hurts the minor regions import power in that actually players they might have looked to before may uh. now end up in LCS. But yes, I kind of agree. I, I think, at least for, say, the LJL, we're a little further down the, the, the totem pole for scouting people to effectively look and say, yeah, we'd be interested in that player. Whereas a lot of the ERLs for EU may be a little higher. Turkey's higher. VCS is higher. And then you might start seeing those minor regions suffer a little bit. But PCS too, right? The, PCS, exactly. But the initial eyes go to Korea. They go to potentially the LPL. They potentially go to EU as well, where you go, okay, we've got staff in place to help with Korean training already from years and years of using Korean imports, even if LPL is stepping up a little bit. And EU, most of these countries speak English, and we've already got a lot of success out of players like Jensen, Santorin, Bjergsen, Sven. CS has like, already goes on. borderline close to that already with the amount of imports in the region. I mean, Team Liquid's got one american resident one american one native american everyone else not native american so that's a bad phrasing um uh american resident there you go like um it's probably the way to put it uh, apologies there for the, the misphrasing um but you know like santorin and jensen are both from both danish uh mm -hmm. alfari's from wales uh, cool jj is <laughs> korean it's just tactical who is north american i mean, I mean let's be real only only dig has a non-import team I mean, and then you've got, uh, well, and then you've got, yeah, heck, even like TSM's got zero North American players. Um, you've got, you know, I mean, you, no, you've got, you've got a speaker, right? You've got a speaker who's, um, who's like a, a, a resident and then, and then lost because they were an old OCE import are also on there. So you've got like a lot of teams in here, which are already kind of like at capacity. And you think, okay, well, if you unlock like um, the import rule and you allow these teams to import more, you've got a couple which might start 
looking for them. But then there's there's a whole lot of questions in terms of, particularly for NA, what's going to happen with culture changes and stuff like that? There's a reason there are a lot of Koreans in the LJL, and that's because um, it's relatively similar in terms of a lot of the cultural the mm -hmm. cultural d divides and, and, and differences in terms of the cultural stress you might end up going undergoing because you know you don't you don't have you don't have your friends and family around you because it's um it's slightly closer to home slightly closer to culture slightly closer in a lot of regards yeah. the money aspect is obviously pretty huge for a lot of these na orgs though and then suddenly it does mm. unlock the ability to see what happens if between seasons someone who just does for, for say i don't know um say if FlyQuest or clg or i don't know or another team just fares really poorly in the same can I just import a full five-man team from the LPL or or Korean Challenge or something like that? Bring them in as our roster because there are no import changes and see how they do. Can I just do that? Rogue because, Warriors now plays in the LCS. Because let's, I mean, one one of the problems with yeah, I mean, one of the problems with um um a lot of management of esports in general i think this became very apparent when we saw a lot of the broadcast staff leaving the overwatch league for instance is that a lot of people in upper management in a lot of esports scenes have no esports history or roots they're there from traditional sports not many people them. do not many people do no you're right yeah. absolutely and that's the problem you've got this like you've got these senior roles which are very important to fill but they're not no one has the history to be relevant on the business side and the esports side and you've then you've got you know and you look at that for people in team ownership and stuff like that and you'll have their backers saying well why can't we just bring in the good yeah. players you know you know the really good players and you're like well it's not quite as simple as that uh but you know because this this stigma is there mm -hmm. in in some form or other and, and it will happen in different different angles too because a lot of backers will be clamoring for results um you will get a yeah. point where where this is a likely outcome for certain teams if they're struggling can I jump in on a point you kind of raised there about specifically, like, actually, they're trying to fill these big top end, like, senior executive staff. Mm. Um, and actually, the part, the part of that question was, there's not been that many esports people at that point. I'll also raise the point that I don't think that recruitment in these companies actually know what they're looking for. So they put down the wrong requirements saying, you know, they're looking for the wrong things sometimes is, is my is my sometimes that, my way when that's just the nature of being in an industry that is so young right yeah. like I, that would be my counterpoint like you people don't the recruiters don't know how to do their job because this is their first time maybe doing it right well yeah part of it so that's definitely i think also sometimes ceo like like staff and investors want people with requirements and qualifications that they know and understand already and and i think that sometimes that's i actually think sometimes smaller companies sometimes know what they need better than bigger companies who've got in these kind of well-meaning and, and certainly sort of experienced people from other walks of life but don't necessarily have the same read on what you need for this situation because it's such a new thing and so sure. while i agree yes not that many people who've got an esports background. I also sometimes think you're not looking in the right places to find people who, even if you don't, have at least got the right mindset for some of the stuff. Yeah, and I think obviously that is the knock-on effect of the import rule because people are coming into these conversations and they're thinking one thing and then if you're maybe a newer owner to a team, uh, you're part of this one of ten owners and you're not a jack, right? Mm. You're, you're not someone that has got has been in the industry since really it began as a league. You don't kind of have that perspective of going, I remember what it was like when it was a complete a completely different thing i've seen the changes and now jack is arguably leading the charge from what uh, at least interviews i've seen when they were doing the press conferences jack was like i hate the import rule he was I most outspoken about it 
Yeah. yeah, and but he was also Steve very transparent. Well. He was like, I want it completely changed and redeveloped. Like he doesn't, he thinks there needs to be a heavy focus on Academy and the like. And yeah, I think uh, that's worthwhile. No, and conversation wise. So yeah, and I think so. I think one of the things is things. Well, you know how they need to expand the Academy into amateur scene. And one of the things which this kind of sparked in my head, and I was kind of thinking, well, how is this relevant? How do I think about this? Is that if those of you who watched OGN back in 2014 uh, might remember a tournament called the Masters, and the I think it was the NLB, NLB Masters, I think it was, um, and Great that's where you had so this this was, this, it was a fantastic format where you had organizations competing with sister teams. So you'd have SK SK Telecom T1S and T1K competing as one as one unit effectively versus the other organizations, and what you would do is you'd play a best of three between. Um, a best of three between two organizations where you would play your A team, your B team, and then at the end of it, the winner of... Uh, you still play the, the third match, even if the if it's a 2-0, just for match um, for, for match requirements and stuff like that. I don't know, there was a points thingy. Um, mm -hmm. And you effectively would play either the winning two teams or basically um, the, lo the losing side, if they've gone 0-2 at that point, get to choose just one of their squads to play again, effectively. Um, mm -hmm. And it, what this would mean is effectively that you get the ability to... Bring in a B team of players which are which do still need that talent you know that talent kind of forged right and have that higher level um, of competition brought to them. But you also get to do that on a stage which is going to have more viewers because you have the main team playing mm -hmm. alongside you. But it also means that also for these big teams, you get to have a bigger squad. And if you remove the import rule, relax and said instead of like two you know three players on one team, maybe it's like I don't know like five players between your two squads which have to be resident or or, or something like that. I think that ends up going towards that same direction which Jack wants in terms of um, making a more comprehensive amateur scene. But but the problem for these big orgs is that they've tried so hard in a lot of senses to buff up their academy rosters and try and give give themselves a good good start in the scene, and it's just not really led to anything. And it's continuing to like go around in this cycle of suck, as the Golden Guardians um, um, team owner was saying. It's like, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, it just sucks to be a part of. <laughs> I, I think, honestly, that's a, a big issue because there is no big tournament for a lot mm. of these academy guys. Like, they don't have that EU amateur, right? right? That's a massive like, deal. Yeah. Like, and that, and they, if, like, hilariously, and this was the first year that we didn't see the T1 Invitational. Like, that, that was actually yeah. a big deal in the amateur scene because mm. everyone was like, it was, it was the biggest part of American amateur tournaments. And sad, it really. didn't happen due to, obviously, um, presented events uh that ended up happening and obviously there were big plans for it at the end of the 2019's one that it went off with the bang they were planning to do it in studio in house they're going to have a, a center people going to be able to view it obviously all those plans had to get cancelled and i think that's why it's been pushed off but yeah that yeah. that that's a big thing right na it doesn't have and yeah. i can see that being a problem but why then and i want to move us over a little bit why then is the conversation only happening in NA, gentlemen? Why is this not a, a wider world conversation? Hmm. Yeah, and, and um, I go. I think specifically, partly this is because a lot of other regions, particularly the major ones, are quite happy having the import rules in place. EU has been in a really sucky spot for a long time where they can't offer the same money as NA, and so all of their players, all of the best ones, keep moving to NA. Bjergsen went, Santorin's gone, Perks is gone, Jensen. Alfari is gone, Jensen is gone. And the list keeps going. Sven is gone. Mithy's over there as a coach. Uh, like, like Ignar left as a power of evil. Jizuke, EU midsman. Uh, and like, that has been really bad for EU. The LCK are saying, 
yeah, fantastic. We can't offer the same money as the LPL and NA. We get to keep all our best players and keep being the best. Like, we are the most talented. We've got the most talented servers, the most talented region. No team has won without having, at least at least in recent years, without having at least one or two Koreans on the roster. No, um, ever since season three, the solo laners of the world's winning team are Korean. And, like, they would love to keep the likes of Rookie and the Shy a little bit more easily rather than having losing them to the LPL in particular these days. And the LPL? Well, they have got a lot of talent and there is a lot of regional pride there. They would like Chinese rosters and Chinese players to win and to not have loads of orgs just buy into the Korean system because that's really aggravating for them too because it's like... They've got Uzis and uh, Huangfangs and all these other guys who are coming in are like, are oh, really good. And they don't want necessarily to constantly be relying on Korean solo laners, however good they may be. But then if you're kind of in that spot, then why? What? Okay, so why is this conversation only happening around NA? Like, that's, that's the big question, because yeah. like everyone keeps going back. It's only an NA thing, only NA. What happens if something big does occur? Like the rule gets changed and the other owners in other regions suddenly are told, hey, either NA, player, NA, NA owners now have the ability to buy from anybody, meaning the cost to enter into NA is significantly lower because mm. anybody can play in this region. Meaning if you are a scrappy little young, uh, young player and you're looking for your opportunity on the big stage, NA suddenly looks really appealing. And now you might see Korean or Chinese teams, especially in Academy, uh, might subside a little bit because they might not get that next Chovy because Chovy isn't going to go through the Academy system over in Korea. They're now going to go over to America because they can immediately play for a tier mm. one org, get paid pretty decent salary, probably far better than they would in Academy. And they get their one or two years to prove themselves. Mm. Like, uh, what? That's, that's just going to change everything. Yeah. I mean, that's the argument, right, is, you know, the LCS are wanting this done and the other regions potentially don't. I know Carlos has been tweeting out about it saying, yo, why are we not involved in this conversation? I quite like the way things are. If they do, I know obviously way back when this conversation first came up, and I know obviously it was brought up by Travis on Hotline League. He had Raz on as a guest and they were basically, I know Raz and Mark Z were both saying like, well, doesn't, can LCS do this unilaterally? Why is this not being done in discussion with the other regions? And if they do undo the rule, then for competitive integrity of the entire world, you know, do they not need to remove the import cap globally to make things fair? Or is that actually, you know, like, is that the competitive integrity edge there being uh, kind mm. of removed? And then the thing is that, you know, well, okay, so if then the argument against that is LCS is going to be a global league, well, then you need to start doing away franchising because you can't have 10 American orgs um, owning owning all ten spots of a global league, and that that's a whole other thing. And, and again, we want to think about this more from the LGL perspective, um, in terms mm -hmm. of okay, well, if things change outside the, L, uh, the the outside the LCS, how does that affect things based on how that import rule changes? I'll be honest. If the global import rule changes for the NA, uh, for the for the world, uh, I think that's why I think the hot take is LGL dies in two years. I just don't see it being needed in its current state. Now, that doesn't mean that the region dies in two years. It means the region has to see a huge adjustment and change. Um, I could be... I could easily see a system where the LJL becomes part of a system where, hey, you join the LJL, 
you still get into some form of tournament where you then get to play in worlds, but there is an yeah, extra step and to get into worlds, right? There's, so this yeah. is what OCE is going to have to have. But the, 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 so the problem is that effectively OCE is now in a spot, it's now in a real spot of bother because they just had Legacy do pretty well in plans, actually. They, they got to mm. a point where yeah, they, they were, all, they were genuinely one decent. game away from one game away from, from groups yet again. Um, and now they're going to be in a point where they don't have a regular league where their top players can practice all year round. Now, there have been a ch choice couple of teams which have done better outside of a league setting, a league format in, in history, which is Gambit. Gambit Moscow 5 didn't really do well in the league Trust setting, it. but if you had them in an open circuit, they'd have time to basically boot camp, turn up to an event and just absolutely crap on people. Now, um, I look at the LGL and this is a region which has honestly just built as the year goes on as you as you do i think i think that these teams will, will just just end up improving a lot from that i think that if you end up like dismantling the lgl and saying okay you have an open qualifier and you can qualify from the jack from the japanese region but you don't have a league i think that ends up really hurting um both like the influx of korea uh, of japanese players coming out of that region we've just mm -hmm. had some really good rookies come through yeah um, mm -hmm. And then also, like, I don't think the, the I think the quali quality of teams is going to go down. And I think that we've struggled to show a top quality team for a while at an international event. But I think we're getting close. I think V3 were pretty close. I think having rookies at Worlds sucked for them. But I think that actually they, they had a lot of things they could have built on. I think this current DFM roster, the one which will eventually have Gang on it, could actually end up getting to Greece. Yeah. I think that's the one which could sure. make it from the LJL. And it would completely suck that after, the, after this year, they're like, ah, uh, LJL's gone. Bye-bye. Yeah. At least um, we got to groups once, though. At least yes. we get to say if that. If we get to say I, that, I you know what, we're happy. Thing. Experiment succeeded. I would, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, removing the import rule hurts Japanese talent more so than it would in NA. Because NA actually has yeah. uh, an academy scene which is being worked on and is slowly getting somewhere. And they've got a good collegiate system. The academy system has definitely got its flaws, but the collegiate system in NA is actually pretty good, honestly. Mm. Um, I've like cast that... for a, a collegiate tournament once right? a little bit. Yeah, Low exactly. levels it's good, it, but it's pretty fun. Exactly, and the point is they have got some stuff there. The Japanese amateur scene is there's nothing like it's a wasteland for most of the year at the minute. Um, yeah, it doesn't really exist. There's normally two to three tournaments. Uh, Pre-COVID, there was a few more in the works, but sure. since COVID hit, it took what, six months for us to eventually start mm -hmm. seeing two tournaments. We then got three tournaments back to back to back. And now it's radio silent. Um, and one of those tournaments was Scouting Grounds. So it's yeah. not really yeah. one that anybody can enter with a ragtag group, no. which... Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a kind yeah. of a weird spot for Japanese league and amateurs. And yeah. to see anyone, and that's why I keep getting on that soapbox. Yeah. I mean, I, I think mean, one of... Yes. To, to, to... Sorry, just to finish up where I was going with this before before um, I drop it a little bit, is that, yes, okay, so Academy Scene's not in a great space in the LJL, worse than NA. If you remove the import rule, then the the squads, the teams with money, and the, that you have to understand that yeah, some of these LJL organizations have got money. Sengoku Gaming has money. The Hawks have a ridiculous amount of money. Like, the SoftBank, the, the team that owns this, is one of the biggest companies in the world. Like, they are huge. Um, like, there is money in the LJL, and what will happen is that a lot of these squads will throw money at Korean players to get them in. DFM have kind of done that already. Sure, They've got but Aria. Then, but then, but then you run They've into like the, the, the Arsenal and the, the Premier League problem, right? Where technically they have money, but actually they're not willing to spend it because of various fiscal responsibilities that the org that that, yeah. that that subset of the organization has, right? So you can say that SoftBank has a huge amount of money. Well, how much can they actually commit to it, right? right. That's the problem. 
and that's just well, it. Well, I mean, if an import that... rule goes away, like they might be like, hey, now we can throw it all, and in theory, well, we'll get the best that's players. Exactly, that's in, my point. Yeah. In some ways, and... actually, I, I think actually, if the import rule is removed completely, Japan could actually be importing full teams of Korean challengers. Oh, and, they will. And, and the LDL squads. I think that actually, Japan, the, the, the LDL could be hit worst by this. Actually, we already yeah. have teams with two plus Korean imports. We've got. What I think there's the the Hawks have got. You could import a full Vietnamese team you could do. for less money, I mean, and you could get like a top two Vietnamese team sure. for less money than what probably Axis yeah. is paying at I the think... moment. And that, that that's just you go on salaries just point blank. Yeah, and I mean and like, like you you look at like the Hawks and they've got one. They've I mean so Corporal is 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 an OCE um, dual citizen hold, holder. So like they yeah. they are they are they are a Japanese resident. They, they they are a Japanese resident. And you've got Tussle who's naturalized Korean re resident. So they are um, so now they're a resident of of, um, of Japan. You've got Dasher and Zeno, mm -hmm. which are also Koreans. Then you've got DFM, which are heading towards having three imports because they're gonna get gang into their roster after Steel becomes naturalized too. And like you look at this and you think, all right, okay, you're really not getting. The situation in EU and NA where you have teams which can compete with these teams, which are largely or completely national, like national residents. Yeah, and like so, I, I will say this, and I do think this is important to say. I have no problem. I actually think that having a system in place to allow imports to become residents is a good thing, and I think I agree. It's something absolutely agree. Because, but like, so I, I done a fair amount of research, and I wrote a fairly long article on this couple of weeks back and obviously there's been, the more change. there's been a few but, but but one of the things i i was discussing was like and obviously santorin has said something very similar at this point as well that actually there is something about players moving to a region and then buying into the system and spending enough time there to build a fan base show some willingness to compete and represent this region uh bjergsen made his name in na the na players or the na fan base and LCS know him as one of theirs really. Jensen as well. Had his career made in the LCS? Yes, he is Danish, but his entire time has been building a thing in the... building a, a, a name for himself and, and an attachment to the LCS. Doinby, rookie. The show, well, my rookie's a little lesser, but he's kind of bought into it. He's married out there and stuff as well. Um, we already have a player in the LJL, like you're describing, who's already doing exactly this and brought in during Worlds more than ever before. Arya is definitely trying to become the darling child of the LJL. If something like the region... If the import rule changes, our, our hope for keeping him diminishes drastically. It because does. there is no way if an import rule goes that none of the NA teams that are doing good scouting, by the way, hmm. good scouting, it hmm. is important to mention that, that they that. don't just look at someone like him and go, Holy crap, he was oh, yeah. part of CGA and almost got them all the way there, and they were a garbage so, team? Yeah. And then they go on DFM and so, they just slap everybody? Like, what? So I think like, DFM don't pay don't pay awfully, right? They're, they're the team which is most likely to pay well in the LJL, given the They have given the, the best tenure. salaries outside of what Sengoku was doing, apparently. I'd, last I'd imagine year. so. I mean, obviously, I don't have the best... Again, And like, that was not, only not, two players again, on we don't, we don't have contact with the teams themselves. A lot of our no. information is you now passed down, pass down the line several times and whatever. But, like... Yeah. Out of out of the people you could um, like import from PCS, VCS, CB LOL, LLA, like all of the minor regions put together in the LGL, I think Ari is top five in terms of people yeah, you want to import. Yeah, he probably is actually. I, I think he's actually he's top five. Up there. Because he's up there I think, as I think well, hilariously. Particularly, um, particularly after you you consider that when he's come into this split and showed another facet of play, and effectively Ari can play out whatever the hell he wants. He's top one hundred Korean challenger whenever he's trying, effectively. Um, 
he, he's going to get snapped up. He will do if someone throws mm-hmm. a big enough paycheck. I do. Th- I mean, I, I I appreciate the fact that he stayed around the LGL so far. I, I don't know whether he got offers from, you know, LCK or challenger teams out there too. But mm-hmm. yeah, if you remove the import rule yeah, and suddenly it's a Wild West for, across the board, I look at it and think, all right, there's a good chance he gets snapped up. And that, and that, and that also, again, diminishes a lot of the LGL's like bargaining power on the international stage. Because again, it means that suddenly, whereas like what you've got, Five major regions, all of which with like 10 teams. So five times 10, that's 50, each of which with two residents, lots of them. So there are 100, like 100 in- imports across the world. I don't know, like say 150 imports mm. worldwide that you, import slots that you have to be competing for. Suddenly that, what, double, it go, you go up 2.5 from that and you've got, what, 400 effectively slots, which are now open, like, which are now open instead of that 150. And you think, all right, okay. Suddenly that adds open a lot of Wild West factor where you're thinking, okay, things get a bit rough around the edges there. Yeah. I mean, what I will say I think... is that it, I wonder whether, well, two things, obviously, I think one, you just end up with a lot of Korean imports in the LGL and they won't be good, necessarily good Korean imports and you mm. cut off the, the Japanese uh, talent pool. The second thing I wonder is actually, do we end up with a bit of a global bidding war where mm. Basically, because you can import everybody, you end up with a big Korean exodus and a lot of people bidding over the same money, which drives global salaries way up, um, potentially. And actually, can my regions even think to compete with that? I actually have a complete counterpoint to all of this. I think, actually, it just improves the value that comes out of the minor regions. I think minor regions suddenly could, in that scenario, get put on a pedestal. Because in theory, if you can prove yourself to a minor region... Right? So, like, I, I almost wonder, do NA teams in that scenario just go, who's the best team... In the minor regions, yeah, just in your in, team, imp, and they import, go DFM. import gum, import gum to NA. They'd probably come top three or four. Right? Easy, you import DFM. Probably a similar story. Import yeah. uh, either Infinity or um, PSG Talon from two different regions, and it's like suddenly it's like hugely done. I think we've just lost initialized, but he has returned I've back been... to us. Hello, sir. I think my internet died quite briefly, so I had to refresh, which does mean I think, unfortunately, that means me some cameras around. Um... No, it's fine. We're good. I, I, I don't do that anymore. We don't have random camera jigging, which is okay, very fortunate for me. I'm glad to No longer that. Discord okay. capture, so that, that, that's safe there. But um, okay, I I'm do <laughs> wonder what happens in that spot. Like, minor regions in the future... Their talent might be fine for the first little bit, um, but if full teams or like, like if the level of play in minor regions in the short term, it'll be great. Suddenly there's an influx. And then in the yeah. long term, I actually worry it that we actually region. won't get those Japanese imports. Uh, we won't get those Korean imports into Japan anymore, ga- Lights. Mm. I actually think we're going to have to see all Japanese teams because it's the only way we'll have the player numbers to justify it unless people are willing to take a huge salary cut. And that's when you start dipping into like VCS talent mm. and the like, right? Yeah. I, I, or, I, you, or you start getting bargain bucket players is, my, is the other option where you get players who won't go anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, and then of course, like the other outcome that we haven't really talked about yet, because we've talked about, okay, so we've basically said, so there are a couple things which can happen. Either you no longer have grandfathered residents, and that means that suddenly actually rules are tightened across the board. That really affects mm. the LGL, which have been, had a lot of long-term Korean residents. And I think that's mm. an important thing as we've been saying. I'm not, I'm not sure that'd be good. For, it's not good for the LGL. I don't think in its current format, because I think a lot of the most loved players are now becoming residents. And that's yeah. like, and uh, 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 yeah. And then sure. you've got okay. What happens if the the import rule is removed or relaxed? 
yeah, okay, we're definitely going to see a lot more Korean players kind of chilling out in Japan for a little while because we've seen that with, you know, we saw Blank and Perian and a couple of while, and they did really well, right? It's not like they're, they're just chilling, but there are a lot of players which um, move over to the LGL in, in hopes of greener pastures, and then you've got, okay, well... Blank's just done that. Exactly, exactly. And then you've got the the extra two options, which are effectively something affecting the regional leagues, the, the minor region structure in totality. You either have the least well-performing or least monetarily perf well-performing um, regions disbanded. We've seen that with OCE. They just couldn't hold things together after a while. LJL is probably not that far up the pecking order on that. You've probably yeah. got one or two regions which are not really got the player, the, the, the server size or, or, the, or the viewership numbers and stuff like that to really pull their weight. And I don't think the LJL does awfully in terms of viewership. You know, yeah. like when it come, come finals, they get up to, you know... Um, almost up to 100,000 viewers. They've had, I think they had like 70,000 for the last last final, something like that. Yeah, it was um, decent numbers. It's decent, but things like, is that enough to kind of um, reassure Riot, Riot HQ and say, actually, this region is worth supporting? Because it could be the point where all minor regions are disbanded. And you think, all right, let's just make every league a global league and then people can start like culminating towards their closest one. And we'll just see like these minor players try and make it in through... A, a, um, a wild card kind of entry tournament and open qualifier event for the major yeah. events. And I look at this and I think LGL would have then effectively just become DFM of trying to apply for different tournaments. Like that, that's yeah, it. but that, exactly. Have, that's at, it. But at, at, at that point, you have to ask the question: well, Why on earth have a regional system at all? At that point, just have. Just have. Um, would you have an open circuit system. between? Would just you have, have an open circuit? Yeah, exactly. Would, would you have like the major leagues and then an open circuit for the remaining teams worldwide? How would that work? Yeah. Uh, and bluntly, the last time regions were unlocked Scares big me. time is Overwatch kind of was in a weird position with it. And Overwatch mm -hmm. basically had like when you had a good EU Apex, yeah. Apex League. Yeah, exactly. And you had like mostly Korean teams plus like one or two North American ones. And that mm -hmm. was it. And I didn't really follow it that much. Like even the London Spitfire, which was was effectively a Korean team, you know, like that kind of deal. It and was a the, Korean the, team owned by an American company that happened yeah. to be held in London. In London. Like, exactly. It was the most stupid it, thing in the world. Um, but to add on top of that is you actually did have, um, obviously, if you look at StarCraft, right, they were unlocked regions forever. And basically every region was just full of Korean players. And don't get me wrong, they were good, competitive Korean players. But it killed the game. Like play, it really it put a glass ceiling in place that they said, if you are not from this region, you cannot get onto the competitive circuit. And mm -hmm. it narrowed the only place where you could ever hope to become a, a competitive player in another region was if you were coming from Korea. Everything else, and there was no way so, for you to get up. And this and is like, a huge problem. So in traditional sports, because I mean, the, the probably the sport which I'm most familiar with is rugby, right? I mm -hmm. look at rugby and... Um, there is a huge problem in Europe where the Six Nations happens and all the other tier two nations within, within Europe have no way into Nothing. the Six Nations. Even though Italy is a team which has, I think they've won like two, have they, they went winless for like four years in a row? Four going on five? They, they, they winless? Ended. They couldn't win a game for four or five years? Yes, Don't exactly. Because they're that, because I mean, in fairness, like you, you look at the home nations of England, Ireland, Wales, Scotland, then you've got France involved. And France are actually a world contending team too. And then you've just got Italy yeah. chucked in there. Um, when Italy were like added in and into the, the, the five nations, which the six nations, they were a team which could actually contend with, with a couple of these teams and take, you know, take mm. draws, take wins or whatever, particularly when Scotland was struggling. Heck, they even, you know, they, they, they held Wales to a draw at Millennium Stadium back in like 2010 or something like that. that was a dark day, I tell you, as a Welsh rugby fan. But like, I look at this and suddenly you've got teams like Romania and Russia and Georgia. Spain's more like rugby league, I suppose. But like, you've got these teams which have no way in and you think, well, 
This talent is capped, so there's a glass ceiling, even though it's good for the franchise and for the viewership in a lot of ways because of the pedigree and the amount of years that this tournament's gone on for, there is a huge amount of that population which is suddenly just like completely left out dry, really. Plus, and is that going to happen for the OGL? That's the thing. That's what I'm worried about. Because exactly. you look at this and, and there's no way for these player to, players to then compete mm -hmm. on the international stage. And that's something which I think Riot would desperately hate to see happen, where you have this, yeah. like, this, because I think the dream of, of Riot and, and in League Esports is that anyone from anywhere can get to a point where they can compete. And it feels yeah. like you are just completely neutering that if you take away yeah. minor regions without putting something in place in. And I say taking away minor yeah. regions. This is off the assumption that changing the global import rule destabilizes the global circuit. Mm. And there is a chance that happens in some form or other. There's a chance it only partially happens. But for the partial part where that does happen, it does mean that you've got various swathes of the world which then don't have access to the international tournaments now. Yeah. If, if you don't mind me adding a little context, more context on the, on the StarCraft front as well, just because I'm aware a lot of our viewers and listeners are likely not you know, are coming in from a league perspective and may not know that much about StarCraft. Um, the imp they did eventually put in a an import rule of sorts, and it was only after that, did, yeah. that, that it was only ever after that that we saw anybody rise to the point where they could challenge the best of the best, could eventually take off the ground. Uh, I mean, the most important one yeah, of that was... that's how Scarlet came up, right? Yeah, and it's and Serral, mm -hmm. particularly from Finland, is the best player right. in the world yeah, yeah, over yeah. the last few years. He's from Finland. And the only reason he's ever been able to come up and compete with these top Korean players, you know, like Flash, Boxer, whoever else is playing. I'm not even sure who's playing at the minute anymore. But the point the point being that... Um, not going to only StarCraft that well anymore. That well. Exactly. And part of the no deal is... Like, this, but, and part of the reason is they killed their viewership by dropping off other regions who then weren't really... It was just an extended Korean region. Which was fine if you like competitive play. Like, these were some of the best players in the world. But it never gave any chance for there to be any other best players in the world. And you end up, ironically narrowing the competitive pool and Serral came out of this and has been kind of monstrous since um like and so this guy when has he he's been uh what was he, when so, did he last win so he won in 2020 he's the last winner mm. i think okay so obviously at the end of this part as we are gonna have to wrap up this conversation gentlemen um i think we're pretty off the idea of the import rule changing um for each of us, obviously, we do think there's going to be different degrees, and we have our own personal opinions on this. Obviously, I'm of the opinion that it is a death wish. It is a is a death I, wish that if it happened to yeah. the LJL, um, at for least me, for the LJL, minor as a whole, we don't know, but the LJL, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and and it might be that the fact of either a, a minor region has to be looked at and go, okay, you either now get to auto qualify or auto find a way into. EU, for instance, if you're like the CIS over in Russia, you can. There's a way to get into that system. Um, LLA, maybe they also connect with NA. Uh, but then where the where does Turkey go? I guess they go EU as well, and LJL yeah. just becomes a minor region for Korea. Like, uh, do we just try and slot all these things in? It's it it nothing. None of this seems clean. And that's what definitely worries me about the communication that we are getting from Riot, because they're not releasing anything, and the owners have no right to say anything to uh, to the public. So it very much puts the future of League in a precarious spot, and where will it be in four or five years, where broadcasting rights and everything and contracts that have been signed no longer exist, and it's in a new world, as it would be. Where Where are we sitting? And honestly, it doesn't look good for the LJL if things change from our perspective. It, there are going to be repercussions if it changes. Either way. Yeah. Um, 
I, there, like, there's a chance it leads to the American dream for a couple of our top players. I mean, we talked, heck, even the last episode we just released, and it's like, well, which mm. of these players can um, theoretically end up becoming the next important? There, there are a couple which might be up there, right? And we know that some mm. of the coaches have oh, yeah. watched even our content. So if you're around, hello, come get in contact. We like you. <laughs> hello. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, that I, it, it does give that American dream kind of option to a couple of, couple of players. But overall... Uh, it means that you're killing off the region, and LJL is already kind of... I mean, you can say, well, what if it's barely hanging in there and can't sustain itself? It's not helping it either way. It, it removes the eventuality that it could end up supporting itself, which is a problem. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know whether we've kind of got onto this point much already, but I mean, there is, I suppose, a world where minor regions are just the ones that don't have uh, free imports wherever, uh, and that maybe makes things a little bit more interesting because at the moment like it's I still think it has the same if, problem with the LGL. I mean, yeah, the LGL. It, yeah actually it, it definitely does but it's it's one of those things where like if you want to be a true world's contender as the scene stands at the minute mm. uh, as a player not necessarily as a region i put this out there there is a world where actually if you want to get your name to be a little bit more valuable than say if you are you know, to try and compete with some of these top Korean, top EU imports in particular, sure. then having then not counting as an import makes you that little bit more desirable, right? It's and, and I could see that actually that might be something for like say later on. It's like hey, Ebby or Utapon suddenly look at this and go, hmm. I could get that spot on FlyQuest. I could prove to, I could show some of these guys up. Or you look at uh, you I mean, look that, at EU and you say vitality, so spend a bit of money. Before, right, huh? I could see that. Yeah, it right, is. exactly. I mean, but so, that, I mean, that that does open the question of why has there never been a Japanese player that has ever gone across the pond as it would be, or to a major region? We only ever see occasionally prospects that come into the LJL leave, and normally they are Korean players. Yeah. Obviously, we haven't seen a player that started in the LJL make it out now boogie might be that very weird caveat where he got his start in in LGL. he then went away came back made his world's debut not international world's debut and now is definitely fighting to be the next jose diodo literally going through the lla hoping to go to worlds and then obviously from there get picked up by the um by an lcs team obviously his his uh, his uh rank one account on na server is lcs is my dream or something like he just that got overtaken by core jj which is kind of sad for him just about wow. he's, he's still like top there. five uh, he hit top lucky. One. uh i um, mean yeah, yeah. uh I will say part of it is actually visibility, right? Think of the players that from minor regions that get over to other places. It is because you have proved yourself somewhere where people have spotted you. Scouting. And to... that's just like, that should be yeah. what the players and the teams are doing right in-house. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like Levy performs well on the international stage. His value skyrockets. Suddenly he gets moved over. Broken Blade gets over from being having played in Turkey for a while. Armour moving over to the Mad Lions. Like The reason a lot of these players do end up Jose Diota, I suppose, is obviously the other more recent one. It's because these people were spotted on the international stage and played well. Um, uh, and if, especially if you're in a minor region, because otherwise, why don't you consider one of these Korean gods from, I don't know, like, hey, they just didn't perform well on KT. I'm sure they'll be great for us. Like, you've got yeah. to find a way to prove yourself and be spotted. And visibility is such a hard thing if you're a minor region player. Yeah, it is. It is, absolutely. Nymera, any other closing thoughts from yourself? 
Oh, I think we've kind of covered everything a little bit to death now. I just feel like, yeah, so I think at the end of the day, we've covered a couple of options, and there, there is every chance that nothing happens. This kind of just kind of smoke and mirrors and all mm. the rest of it. Um, I think it's almost inevitable that if the import rule is relaxed worldwide, it destabilizes pretty much all of the minor regions. I think VCS gets away with it because they, they've only had that. They've, they've never had imports really yeah. because of yeah. the way that Vietnam works in terms of applying, applying for visas and stuff like that. Okay. I think that you're going to see it it it, it kind of cuts off that eventual pathway to having a truly global equal ecosystem because what this does is it, it favors the major regions because they have an overabundance of talent whereas the minor regions are trying to get that talent into their own region right i, I think it, it favors the major regions right now and it kind of sets them up for success and it kind of puts the minor regions yeah. kind of a couple of steps lower down on the rung which they've been trying to climb mm -hmm. up so uh, in, in the last couple of years really it could help the VCS as well, because obviously if they are now becoming a major region powerhouse, as yep. is v, uh, PCS as well, maybe we're always thinking of this as realistically a four major region thing, when in actuality, mm. realistically, if More something five, like this yeah. happened, it's actually a six region thing, mm. and maybe the LJL just gets uh, kind of connected into cut, a PCS yeah. career mm. half and half, maybe. Who really knows? But gentlemen, we're going to have to end this topic. We could probably go on for another hour if we wanted oh, yeah. to, but we're all we're not about the uh, one hour to two hour podcast sections where we go into absolute insomniac kind of levels <laughs> of non-stop going. Let's actually switch over to the very end of this podcast, which is question time. Your questions have been sent in to us over through the Discord. We ask for them. You give them to us. If you ever come up with a thought off the top of your head, there is a slot over in our Discord where you can ask questions to us for the podcast specifically or if you want to ask a podcast uh, question for the podcast, you can also DM us over on the LJL Twitter account or by any other means really. If you can get in contact with us, we'll probably answer the question either immediately or on the podcast. Ishiki. Hello Ishiki. They ask us, do you guys think the LJL could live without any imports, or does it really need imports? In their opinion, um, imports are a short-term band-aid. They hope that the LJL could have less imports in the future. So this is kind of tacking on to our subject around imports and obviously the import rule. Uh, Ishiki actually thinks that it would be better for the league if imports were less important um and do we think the ljl could live without imports i'm of the mm. opinion that yes the we could actually have a region without imports it would probably actually breed pretty good japanese talent in my eyes i think if you ripped out all the imports then the, the league just collapses <laughs> i think it becomes a real crapshoot for a while um, I think, yeah, we have a year of shit, but then I think it actually uh, breeds it takes... goodness in the long run. Yeah, but I think that's more like in three, four years. Good I think that's three yeah. or four years it would do that, mm. rather than like short term, one year being crap, and then second year being alright. I think that yeah. um, what 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 the LJ could really do without is imports coming in for like a year, then leaving. leaving. Um, you need yeah. them really to stay for two to three years. That's what I'd like to see. I mean, Boogie, Archer, as much as I love them, I would have much preferred them sticking around, right? And because otherwise they're not really mm -hmm. becoming part of the LJL. They're just using the LJL as like just a bit of a stint. Well, and that's Boogie why had spent about three years of his career in total in the LJL. So, so I he... think that's Boogie. Right. Before he before he left to go away to Flash Wolves and everything, he had done yeah, he about it, yeah. a year and a half in the academy system and everything. So mm -hmm. I think it's totally fair to be like Boogie's. Boogie gets a pass. Sure. I sure. think Arch is yeah. a fair one. I think Arch is very yeah, fair. And, then and this say, isn't the first. Like, Pyrion yeah. and Blank came yeah. in for, what, Blank half, a year and a half? Pyrion, uh, literally a year? Mm -hmm. Like, 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I sure. totally agree. And, and, and that that's part of the that is part of the deal. Is like actually, the, the, the two things to say that is actually three to four years. If you're ruining the league for three to four years, is a long time. The the league like League of Legends has only been going for what eleven years? We're season eleven now. Mm. Like that's nearly half. To, you know, nearly half of the of the whole of the whole time's been alive. Like, that's sure, a, but that's we've a done fourteen time. Th- uh, this is our thirteenth split so far, and the current sure. system isn't breeding Japanese talent. I'm willing right. to try something that completely shakes yeah. it up. So, so my, my point being that, I, like, I think there is something actually. If you're going to get, you kind of want imports to stick around longer, at least that point. So it's not a constant revolving door, which I think is more harmful. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but to do that, you you need the LJL to be attractive enough to stay in. Actually. Um, and that's part of the problem with the minor region as well, is that actually success is first or dead because you don't get to international tournaments at that point. Um, I think it has helped that we are no longer just the top three teams going to playoffs, so there's more to compete for. That definitely helps. Yep. Um, but one team going hurts us. Two, I think that um, we need a better underlying academy development system because... Um, at the, there is no way to con- the reason we're relying on imports at the minute is there's not that much um high level japanese talent to really fill out these rosters if you want to go to worlds and that is the big deal right like a lot of these teams are in it for success and um part of the reason the lcs owners are forcing the issue a little bit here over in the, the na is because the, you know a lot of them are valuing short term success and there are a lot of rumors about that bubble popping for investors and like you need to prove some success to keep the investors in and long-term development is harder to convince investors to get involved with to, yep. to play devil's advocate i'm all about the na owners going hey we need that and we are scared that the bubble is going to pop, pop a part yeah. of me does kind of want to see that bubble pop i i would be actually kind of morbidly interested in seeing what happens. I think, well, I mean, that'd be a real telling point of how sturdy league eco- the league ecosystem is, if you can survive that. But it's not mm-hmm. something you particularly want to have to go through to prove. No, mm-hmm. but, it, but part of me is like, but what happens if we just open Pandora's box for just a moment? Just just to have a glance mm-hmm. in. It's like, oh god, go back, go the fuck back. Um, yeah, okay. Um, gentlemen, closing thoughts on this question. Do we need mm. imports? Does the LGL need imports to survive? Can it work without I, imports? Is I it a short term com- thing? Compete on the international stage for now? Yeah, it does. Short term, I think it does. Because um, I, I don't think a full... I mean, like, what's what's the best all-Japanese lineup we could have right now? Let's have a look see if who's currently oh, playing. Ebi, Utapon. Ebi and Utapon are definitely shoe-ins for that. Then you've Probably got... Probably Cyrus comes back, right? In for the mid lane? Um, Gariaru, maybe. Or um, Megumin? Recap. Recap I think I think you need well. Seros. I think you need Seros. Maybe Ace. Seros or Ace, one of the two. And Ace then, actually it, could be. And then, but then we saw Ace get slapped history. around on the international stage, right? So uh, first yeah. time on the international stage. So sure, sure, yeah. I agree with that. But like, yeah. we, we've we've kind of seen Ace like hat struggle in the early game and, and it, stuff like that. We only have one Japanese jungler, so we have to go Hatchimacha. That's that's yeah, fine. And probably NT. Reiner, Reiner, Reiner. I look at that and I'm like. Not bad. It's not, not, not bad. Bad. But then you like you compare that to like PCS, VCS, which feel you know full teams of residents and like have made it up to that point, or like LLA and stuff like that. I'm like or Turkey. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of sat there thinking, yeah, you're probably looking like LGL if you field all national talent from each of these regs. LGLs amongst the worst. Yeah. Um, and then and part of that Turkey. is because of the sunk cost into these imports, but 
So I think, yeah. right, I th- what the LGL doesn't need is people coming in for just like a split or a year. That is, mm-hmm. that's kind of hard to deal with. Like if Cassin and Nation leave after this year, I'm like, guys, no. So what we want to say is if the import changes, we want to have an asterisk saying you have to play longer than a year in a region. Yeah. Do we uh, want to kind of try yeah. and force players into a two-year contract if they're signing with a minor region? I think multiple-year contracts are better. They don't, they don't often exist in League, but I think they should exa- exist more. I think that's been a big problem okay. anyway. Yeah. I mean, part of the deal as well, though, is you've got to remember, like, who's actually choosing to leave? Is it the players or a team saying, yeah, we need to see this here, you're gone? Because actually, players are often signed to multi-year that's, contracts, but then are dropped after a year because they didn't get the success they wanted to. Um, and so part of that's on the team. Is it the narrative not... around them from broadcast, from Twitter, from Reddit? Can it happen like that too? True. It's, each one is case by case. We know Boogie's one was different. We mm. also know that why we, we don't know why Blank and Pyrian both left. Obviously, Blank got an opportunity back in Korea, so it makes sense for him to take it, mm. right? And Pyrian's just a free agent at the moment. They... Every every player, we don't know what really happened with Art and Vivid, um, and that was obviously a big part of that. We eventually found out that obviously, um, I think Vivid is now doing military service, but like it took a while to find out. Yeah. And yeah, we don't fully know what happens. I mean, like, who was who was the AD carry in spring for Axis? That's now completely Hide. dropped off. Hide, right? A player that probably should have hung around a bit longer, but oh, like I don't that's know. another. They weren't doing I... great doesn't matter if they were doing great or not it's the fact that they came in weren't around for very long and then went away that's just another name you can kind of add to the list that we're trying to use to prove the point uh which is uh, distressing honestly but on a more uplifting message around an import that if they came in what would they do pp god asks us or the pope rather of pp god asks us (laughs) what happens if the lord and savior himself of pp god was imported to the LGL. How would it shake up the league? Well, I think we'd now have a, a well and truly a very good rival to Reiner, specifically, yeah. um, and Gang. I think that... Yeah. The... I... Go on. I think we're quite shy on actually really good support talent in some ways. Isn't it? Like, we've ha- we had a lot of good bot lane oh. talent. We were, like, a little bit sad that Utori like... disappeared, really. But we've got, oh. like, what? Gang, oh. Reiner... Oh. Yeah, Vivid and Art gone as well. But, like, we've got... What, who are the really, really top tier Proud... Reiner, Gang, and Gang. That's my top Corporal. three. And Proud's not performing that well. Corporal's not performing that well. This split, like, so we've got two. Agreed. One of which isn't even playing right now. Nt's been playing okay. <laughs> so yeah, the thing, fine, yeah. The thing which I will say is that it's my same reasoning for why don't we? Well, I would really love to see like a top aggressive Chinese Vietnamese jungler come in, or a top laner that plays split push because. Sure. Um, putting in someone like PP God and supports are really key to this. They dive people inside lanes. Mm-hmm. We d- the LGL doesn't do Weird. that. We don't end up blowing open early games and just like destroying the game at like you know ten minutes by saying okay yeah you just got like di- you've just died for like the second or third time as a top laner under turret or a bot lane under turret. Some importing someone like PP God who's very aggressive on the- on those kind of playmaking champions playing the Leona and whatever mm-hmm. and has been like all right, yep. have at it. Is really important. It's why I said like in, in I've said a couple of times if Yoshino who's fluent in Japanese ever came with the LGL be really huge for the league because suddenly it's it's not just the laning stats and just saying oh this guy can contend with Ebi and one v ones and all this other stuff. It's saying no he just plays the map wider than the LGL is used to and that's one thing which always hamstrings us at an international event so that we don't play on sidelines particularly well um, even in the early game we don't end up punishing and be super aggressive in the early game having someone like PP God mm. could help with that. But let's back it up. With our previous questions answer, if he comes to the LGL, he's stuck here for two years. He does not get out of jail. That's huge. Quick card. That's huge for the LGL. Yeah. Right. Like, if you like have someone sticking around that. for that long, it's huge. Yeah. 
Imagine knowing that when a player signs, imagine knowing Blank and Pyrian were probably going to be a combo for two years together. Yeah. Like, that suddenly brings in more international fans. Just because they're like, in general, wow, these guys are playing in the league. And honestly, Sengoku, that's, that year, in the spring at least, should have gone to MSI. Mm. They were fucking robbed because of current events. And I I mean, I, I can't believe they even changed the patch that they were playing on between semifinals and finals. That makes me so mad. But regardless, gentlemen, one last question came to us from Little Maestro again. Hello, Little Maestro. Second question from you. Lovely to see you come back to us. Um, they ask us, is Kanatu the best rookie in league history? Now, we're assuming they're meaning the LJL league's history, uh, for obvious reasons why I don't think he's the world, is because uh, a, fake, fake, a player uh, like Nathan. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, so we're going to assume yes. LJL. The shy. Uh, <laughs> yes, the um, shy. Um, I already know who my favorite rookie is coming into the LJL, um, historic-wise, and that's Ramane. In his first mm. ever debut, who starting in the LJL, he showed up and played for Academy. Did pretty decently in Academy. Didn't win, but did all right. His first time playing, he gets first, goes to MSI, gets first, second time round, goes to Walt. This is the kind of player that Ramune was in his first debut year in the Aljo. He is the best Japanese rookie that we've seen really come Japanese, in. Japanese, like, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 Especially I, in the LJL. Yeah, Aria had a good debut too in 2019 spring. Like coming yeah, in absolutely. and kind of and and coming in and kind of like being at the top of metric, like you know, like being, I think no lower than second or third for like KDA kill participation, goal per minute, CS per minute, gold share, and like all this other stuff. Right, um, is a pretty impressive debut. But like coming in as Ramane and like just blowing open the league. He comes in, so he played on a couple. He played on a couple of different teams, like um. Yeah, the Crest Gaming Act and stuff like that back in 2016. But 2017, so he won 2017 spring, 2017 summer, he won in 2018 so spring. So that's like, yes, that would have been Rampage into Pentagram era. I mean, and part of that is he did have Ebby on his team, which is yeah. pretty huge. Always he had Ebby, Tussle, Yuturomiasi, and Dara, who was also really good at that point, too. Really so, like, time, yeah. in fairness, not the caster. In fairness, oh yeah, true. That, that yeah, go, go, love you, Dara. Um, but uh, like I look at that team, like okay, slotted into a really good team, and you think actually maybe maybe the whole like Luna, well, Aria, formerly Luna, coming in and being on a slightly less good team and coming in, you know, finishing first and second of the regular season and whatever at that point was pretty okay. But even then, it's not that it wasn't really the most competitive league. You had. V3, DFM, and then CGA. They were the three teams which meant anything in 2019. We we, we covered the, the, the summer finals. We, we did that as our very first practice casts. In fact, that's what we did. And uh, the finals weren't there with CGA. They didn't actually make it in playoffs. But I think probably, probably Ramane. It's probably Ramane. I, you, sadly, you can't really use any of the big names that you would normally go to. Ebby, he had a pretty uh, rocky beginning, first start. Obviously, Cyrus and Utapong absolutely came out the gates as the best and have mm -hmm. been at the top for so long. You can't really go, well, their rookie career, they, they was like, well, they started when the league started and they were the best when the league started. So technically, best rookies historically yeah. in the OKL, but it's a, it's an awkward one, right? Like, you yeah, can't really like, count them. They're like, uh, Yeah, for me too, it's still Ramonate. That said, I think Kinatu is having a great split, Stella. and you know, he's oh, he's been really and like for, like he's definitely up there. The fact we're having this conversation is quite telling. I'll also say I want to see a few more games. I want to see him Great. take on Ebby, Cog Cog, some of these other top players, and beat them. Uh, like he's already like and 
there has been one or two games where he's kind of been left under the top. He's played all right from being in. He's played very well from being put in a bad position out of laning phase. Don't get me wrong. I've been re we've all been really impressed with oh, his absolutely. recovery play. Like the fact that he can go one to one against Ebby is and Ray yeah. Farky is huge for yeah, me. No, yeah. Exactly the fact that, or, or exactly, or even if he's put behind, he's still smart enough to find a way back into the game. Is great yeah. news. Um, and absolutely, that, those are all talents that you don't necessarily expect from a rookie, which is why we're mm. having this conversation. But he's got some big boots to fill. And while Ramane hasn't been that exciting this split, don't get me wrong, the pedigree is still there historically. So, And I think for me, at least, I'm going to be comparing results to a degree and sure. results-orientated thinking. I'm going to be comparing that directly to Archer because Archer is the recent rookie who came out looked really solid and then went to the world stage he looked mm. really good maybe the best yeah, member yeah. of b3 like oh, that is a rookie worlds, yeah yeah and that was a rookie that came in never played professionally before and started in the lgl and then went the distance they Arch did what Arch everybody would great. love to do yeah right so awesome. archer spring was a little more shaky like i remember sure uh yeah i remember like the dfm series in the spring plus where he kind of folded a little bit under the pressure but, sure. you know, but that's the gold awesome. standard, right? Yeah, and that's what totally. Kanatu has got to try and see if he can match. Mm. Even if he can't wait, make it to an international stage, um, at least showing a very strong rookie performance, like making finals. Like that would be, I would be very happy if they at least made finals and looked like they're an important member of the team. But obviously, mm. that goes on to Little Maestro's second part of their question, asking, and I do this on purpose, ladies and gentlemen. Related, can Rascal Jester beat Detonation Focus Me this week? Well, we've already given our thoughts. Um, yes. No. <laughs> yeah, DFM, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, can they make finals? Now, that's a very interesting question, gentlemen. Um, I think they will make finals if they manage to snag second. And that's why I think that it's very important to show that they can take some games against V3 DFM in the Super Week. It's a best of one. You've had a break to prep stuff. It'll be coming in on a new patch, presumably too, because of the two-week break as well. I think it was an 11.2 mm -hmm. before things went down. I think it's on 11.3, I'd imagine, coming in. I believe so, Which means yeah. that like, you've got stuff like Olaf being nerfed and uh, a couple of other things kind of being shifted around. Sure. I think they can. Will they? Hard yeah. to say. I think yeah. that... The odds are slightly against them. Well, they are against them against DFM, but they have they have options to beat them. Um, oh, I think that they less need... Hatcher matches, not in Elo Hell anymore, lads. Yeah, I'm well. so happy. I think I think I put it this way. I think if if Rascal Jester beat B um, um, V3 and have the two are head to head over them and um, get and then also like and even up the game score with them going into the last week or or whatever, depending on how the rest of the results go. Yeah, I think they can make finals. Mm. I think they can. Yeah, and like that—that's part of it for me as well. Is that effectively this team? This is a crucible spot anyway, and it's all about how good is your preparation. And there's a lot of veterans yeah. on this team, uh, which does help a little bit because you—you're a little bit more practiced about some of these harder situations you've been there before. You've still got the rookie in the top lane, which could be a bit could be difficult. It could be great because it could be time to break out some of those bad habits you've been punished for before. You come in really strong, but you're also looking at V3 and DFM, who have historically been really, really good at um, prepping for stuff. Uh, DFM in particular, really good at prepping for stuff. And they've still got the same coaching staff there. Um, and it's two tough matchups as well. Like the Jesters have got a hard road with this one. It's DFM and V3, which are two of the toughest people you could face in the league, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So can, D can Rascal Jesters beat DFM this week? Yes, they've got the talent. And especially if they've used the prep week well, then yes. I don't think it would be easy. I don't think it would... I, st I still think statistically it's unlikely because they're going against a team that preps probably better than anybody else in the league. 
but, but at the end of the they've day, they've got the talent there. Yeah, absolutely. They they have the talent. They have the opportunity in there. But we will have to wait and see. I don't think they will make finals, ladies and gentlemen. I am already willing to put my hat there for our prediction episode. And we're still three weeks away from how I think it's going to go out. I think the three should be in the at least gauntlet match. I expect at least DFM v3 gauntlet match because I want to see a double best of five versus these two teams. Oh! I, I just want there to be a second best team or like another top team in the LGL as opposed to everyone in the world going, well, DFM's the best. I want it to be like, well, there's DFM and V3. I, I, a boy can dream, ladies and gentlemen. A boy is allowed to dream. Yeah. Dreams are something I'll have to wait for because, gentlemen, that is the end of our podcast. And with that, obviously, we'll have to say goodbye to our lovely listeners. But before you do all disappear from us, um, we must tell you, we will be casting live all of Super Week 9 a.m. GMT. We will be casting the last four games live, and then we'll be doing a blast from the past, covering the first four games of the day. They will then be going up over on our YouTube channel, so expect a very active weekend from us over here at the LJLOU. Um, from what I understand, we will be still having Seju Poro in the Discord answering and uh, helping people out with any questions they have on the region and also doing translations when time is permitting them to do so. They'll be incredibly busy as they are all about the LJL. We're going to be having people in the background helping us. We're going to have some guest casters mm -hmm. coming in to help us with that, lift that all of that work. There'll always be one of us lovely three on the broadcast. But if you're interested in that, give our Twitch page a follow. Subscribe to us over on YouTube. Follow us each on social media of at Mars One at... Oh no, wait, which screen are we on? Uh, three or... Uh, up or down? We're on the we're on the side to side. Uh, okay, so initialize with a one in the middle and Nymera over on the other. And obviously, if you listen to the other podcast, you might know some other pronunciations of Nymera if you are listening Nymera, closely. For God's sake! <laughs> so uh, supposed to pronounce it. <laughs> but with that all said, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the podcast. We've covered a lot in this one. Super Week is almost upon us and the treacherous topic of the import rule. But with that all said, for myself, Initialize and Nymera, thank you so much for listening and or watching. And we'll see you all very, very soon. Call me Nimaire one more time. <laughs>